Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy. We interrupt our regularly scheduled programming for a special report. A very special report. The March 23rd, 2015 Commander Ban List Update. The ban list. No changes. No changes. Rules update. A change. I like how it starts, hang on to your hats. Because <laughs> that is very accurate. If you have not heard about this change, well... Hang on to your hats. That's right. So Sheldon Mennery, the godfather, uh, granddaddy of EDH, posted today uh, that we're recording this special update that there is a new rules update for EDH slash Commander. And this one actually, this really impacts the format uh, quite a lot. Uh, I would say more than almost any ban I could think of. Absolutely. Uh, I agree with that. Um, So I'll just read it. Uh, Rules updates. Hang on to your hats. We're changing how Tuck works for Commanders. If your commander would go into the library or your hand, you may choose to put it into the command zone. It's as simple as that. Just like with the graveyard, if you want it to go into the library slash hand, you're more than welcome to let it. Note that this is a replacement effect, but it can apply multiple times to the same event. Oof. And it goes further into depth. Um, I suppose we'll just read it so you guys have the whole thing. There are four major points in how we arrived at this decision. None of them individually was the silver bullet. The combination of factors got us to where we ended up in no particular order. One, we wanted to engender as positive an experience as we can for players. Nothing ruins the feel-bads worse than having the commander unavailable to you for the whole game. Two, the presence of Tuck encourages players to play more tutors so that in case their commander gets sent to the library, they can get it back. Exactly the opposite of what we want, namely discouraging the overrepresentation of tutors. Three, while we are keenly aware that Tuck is a great weapon against problematic commanders, the tools to do so are available only in blue and white, potentially forcing players into feeling like they need to play those colors in order to survive. We prefer as diverse a field as possible. And four, it clears up some corner case rules awkwardness, mostly dealing with knowing the commander's location in the library, since highly unlikely to actually end up there. It goes on to discuss yeah. manifest and blah, 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 some other stuff. Uh, corner cases, not super important. I mean, the important part is now that if somebody goes to tuck your general, and what right. tuck is is any card that takes a, a general, or it really, they, it doesn't have to be the general, but mm-hmm. usually they point at the general, and makes you shuffle it into your library. Or just even put it on the bottom of your library. Yeah, correct. So that's tuck, because it's really, in our format, been the only way to reliably... Uh, get rid of a general for any length of time because Mm -hmm. as we know if you destroy it or exile it 
or other effects, you can choose then to put the commander back in the command zone. Mm -hmm. And until now, with Tuck, you couldn't do that, but now you can. So if somebody uses a Chaos Warp on your general, instead of shuffling it into your library, you can just put it back in the command zone. Right. And it also works for unsummon effects, which is kind of interesting. So you could choose to put it back in the command zone instead of going back to your hand. Um, I mean... Yeah, I think we both are having a similar reaction to this rule. I I, I really don't like it. You know, yeah, Twitter, I, I'm with you there. Yeah, Twitter's kind of blown up over this, and you know, I feel like, I mean, I don't have any stats, but it feels like a lot of people are not loving it. I mean, some people obviously are. Um, I I I guess we should just tackle it in order. They give four reasons. Yeah. Oh, and also why. let's let's make a point to the viewers and listeners that we're actually going to really go in depth about this uh, on another podcast. So we're just going to quickly go over the four points right now. But uh, we'll we'll definitely contribute a lot more to this discussion because this is a this is a big one. Yeah, it's a really big one, and you know we the way that our production schedule works is our our podcast is already done at this point. Um, it comes out on Tuesdays, but we actually have to record it a few days ahead of time to allow mm-hmm. time to edit and put the video together. So we're actually just doing this really special broadcast because this is such a big thing. Um, so yeah. yeah, we're just going to do a quick once over on it, and then we're going to cover it more next week. But just really quickly to remind everybody, because you know you read the whole letter, but uh, I'll just sum it up. So they give four reasons why they're making the tuck rule change or the no tuck rule i suppose it should be called correct number yeah. 1 is that it feels bad when your gender get, when your general gets tucked number 2 is that tucks encourage players to play tutors and they don't think there should be a prevalence of tutors in the format number 3 is that tuck is only really available in what they say blue and white mhm and then number 4 is there's some weird corner case rules awkwardness having to do with tuck that makes stuff a little bit awkward sometimes right all right so let's tackle these in order sure um nothing run nothing feels worse than having your commander unavailable to you for the whole game what do you think about that jimmy uh there are actually a lot of things that feel worse than not having your commander available to you the whole game uh yeah i think if i think if this is a qualification for making rules changes then let's get rid of armageddon because nobody likes having all their lands blown up either right yeah exactly let's get rid of infinite combos because nobody nothing feels worse than a guy just puts kiki jiki out and pester might and wins yep uh okay let's get rid of weird <laughs> weird things like stasis locks or let's get right. rid of all counter spells because a lot of people don't like counter spell let's locks. ban tauron as a general because nothing feels worse than just getting countered every single step of the way right yeah exactly the, so the problem with this is that it's a slippery slope that you start on when you when you put in the nothing makes you feel worse when this happens because there are so many people that have different qualifiers to them for exactly what feels bad yeah, exactly. Fun is subjective. So I don't think it's a good enough reason to say this isn't fun to just get yeah. rid of something. Because honestly, we interact with a lot of people in the commander community all the time. And I've never once, not even a single time. I mean, we get tons of emails asking all kinds of questions mm-hmm. about like, what do I do in this situation? What do we do about this? And should this get banned? And is this card too powerful? And blah, blah, blah. And how many times have we heard somebody complain about Tuck? It, like fringe case maybe once in an email that wasn't the main point of the email like it was yeah. an example of one of many things you know like tuck was part of a i mean i can't even remember i can't even remember a single time and honestly so, i can't either i'm just saying that <laughs> yeah we're saying once because it probably did it probably happen. did occur yeah but i mean i can i can count you know it, many times when people have said well what about this specific general that mm-hmm. guy's too powerful or what do i do when my friend goes infinite or what do i do when you know their commander is 
super oppressive or what do I do when the guy's a jerk at the table or what do I do yeah. when, you know, they destroy all my lands, but I've never, I do not recall a single person complaining about Tuck. Yeah. And we so, ask for questions constantly and I, I, we give out not, prizes for it. Yeah. I do not see this question come up. Um, yeah. So it's like fixing a problem that doesn't feel like it exists. Okay. Let's move on to number two. Number two is a really weird one. Yeah. Almost the most mind boggling of all. It's when he says that, they want to that Tuck encourages players to play more tutors, and they're worried about the prevalence of tutors in the format. They want to discourage the overrepresentation of tutors. See, the problem with this, and it just feels like this is such a meta call. Um, it's so dependent on it. It feels like someone's playgroup has a lot of people playing tutors because they're always getting tucked, where it feels like that's not the case universally. I just don't think anybody plays tutors specifically because of Tuck. Yeah, me now neither. it's a nice. It's a nice side effect. Yeah. I mean, not it's to like, mention, let's talk about all the tutors that don't find creatures necessarily. Yeah. They get enchantments or artifacts. Like those tutors, this rule does literally nothing to discourage the, quote, overrepresentation of tutors, like they're saying. That is actually an astonishingly good point. Show me the percentage of blue decks that play Mystical Tutor. Because Mystical Tutor will not go find your general. Yeah. So, and I bet you it's very, very high. I bet you almost every blue deck has a mystical tutor in or it. Or wants one. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. I mean, they can afford it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I bet there's very few blue decks that wouldn't put a mystical tutor in if they could. Mm-hmm. But the mystical tutor won't go find the general. So what's that say about tutors? It says it has nothing to do with Tuck. Yeah. And again, it feels like another one of those fringe case scenarios where it's like, sure, you can tutor for your general in case they get tucked. But the reason that you put that tutor in the deck in the first place is not to find your general. It's to find something else that you want to grab out of your deck. Exactly. Nobody puts demonic tutor in just because they want to go get their general if it gets tucked. Yeah, exactly. They also want to go get their most important card or most powerful card in their deck. You know, if they're playing Prosh, they want to go get Perforos with it. Yeah, exactly. They don't want to go get Prosh with it. They just will if they have to. Yeah, yeah, I, I, this I, this argument to me, I think, falls fa- flat on his face. There's there's nobody who realistically thinks that this is going to lessen the amount of tutors played in the format. Yeah, exactly. If you want to stop tutors in the format, then you should be going after tutors, not what people are tutoring for. Yeah, right? exactly. You, and let's not let's not do that. That's a really slippery slope. It's yeah, craziness. We're I mean, we're already sliding down the slope as we as we speak. I, you know what's funny? When Josh and I were talking about recording this, I was like, you know, what? I'm going to try and play devil's advocate and try and present the other side of the argument. <laughs> but I am finding myself completely not willing to do that right now. It's okay. We have Sheldon's side right here in front of us. It's true. Um, it's true. Point um, number three is basically what Sheldon says is that only two colors have access to Tuck and blue and white. And right. it makes it, it makes players feel like they're forced to play those colors in order to survive. This is totally bogus too. For one, red has the best tuck spell, or not the best, but one it's of called, the best. Yeah, so it's true. Like every color has, I mean, red has a way to tuck and put stuff away. But I right. feel like, I mean, you guys want to talk about oppressive generals? Like, what if someone plays a mono red Kiki Jiki deck? Like, do you think you're going to win against that a lot of the time? You don't need to be in blue or white to really <laughs> make that deck go off, right? Like, Yeah, exactly. I just think that, like, and also, this is the way the color pie works. Like, red and black can't get rid of enchantments. Right. Green, so doesn't, should, green doesn't have a counterspell, right? Yeah, so should we start, like, banning counterspells or bl- banning enchantments? No, this is the way the color pie works. There yeah. are ways, there are plenty of ways to deal with... Uh, tucking your general or having them tucked or if you don't you're in a colors that can't tuck very well there are plenty of ways you know 
to deal with generals and to protect your general as well um like sacrifice outlets are one that we always talk about that i think decks should just have in general because you're always getting stuff stolen like it sure blue is the only color can, that can steal stuff but does that mean we should be banning blue cards that steal stuff no because yeah. you can play a sack outlet to make sure your stuff doesn't get grabbed by your opponent you know there's other really ways of getting point. around it you know really good point i think that you know this is sort of it's disincentivizing people from building their decks correctly you know like mm-hmm. you said a sacrifice outlet is an answer to a lot of things right it's not EDH. just an answer to tuck by it's any not age. just yeah. an answer to tuck and and therefore to say that like oh there's no answer to tuck in these colors is completely wrong have a sacrifice outlet you know, very yeah. easy. That very simply just solves Tuck for you. Or have Swift Foot Boots and other Lightning Greaves. Yeah. I mean, again, that just very simply solves Tuck for you. Yeah, you unless know. they're playing like Hinder or Spell Crumple. Yeah. And then don't play your, just don't roll out your general into three open mana, two of which are blue, <laughs> by your opponent. I mean, yeah. these are, these are, this is a strategy game. It's a game of tactics. You know, if you're, if you don't want to play a game where you have to look around the table and see what mana people have available and what they might be able to do with you, then why are you playing? Yeah. You know, go play war. Go play solitaire if you're not willing to play with considering other people's open mana in mind. Because I feel yeah. like that is one of the most important parts of strategy is also like, hey, look, I'm holding up open mana, but I'm holding it up for this guy. So his general doesn't come out because I want to counter it. You're not going right. to play your general if someone says that. And someone doesn't need to say that. You can just see the open mana to know that that is a very definite possibility. And think about what kind of layers that adds to the game. Like, right? Because you're looking at True. the guy and it's like, well, he doesn't necessarily have it. Maybe he's bluffing it. Maybe he's not. So what do I do? Do mm-hmm. I try and bait it out with another spell? Do I risk it and put out my general right now? You know, if you take away all that complexity, then all of a sudden it's just like, well, I'm just going to play my general because there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> it's true. You know, how boring is that? It takes all this awesome decision making and all this complexity and just sucks it right out. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things you have to be so careful with when you're being in a rules committee is that it you can do stuff that has more far-reaching consequences than you realize. And I, I don't know if they really came to this decision. I don't know how much debate or how much discussion there was about this or how much, I guess, international polling there was about this, but it feels like it was something that was a decision that was... It, just looking at the reasons why, like something saying nothing runs the feel-bads worse than having your commander unavailable, it just doesn't feel like a legitimate reason to approach something from a game design standpoint and be like, well, it just doesn't feel good and this is one of many things that might not feel good, but this one in particular, we just we just don't have it. We don't want to have it anymore. You know, I will say that our buddies over at the Five Commanders podcast, they had Sheldon Menery on their show mm-hmm. um, maybe a month ago or, or six weeks ago or something, and I listened very intently when he explained or talked about how the Rules Committee goes about making, making these type of decisions, and it's not scientific at all. It's not based on any sort of data sample set statistics anything that you would think of it's literally like the rules committee gets together and it's a small group of people and they talk about it and they make decisions and you know maybe there's some voting involved but yeah there's no there's no gathering of data there's nothing that they don't have like a bunch of data from magic online it's not super empirical right yeah no it's not scientific and he even says specifically it's not scientific yeah and you know i think this decision feels not scientific because, like I said, nobody's complaining about it. 
Yeah. So maybe in their well, little I mean, world, people are complaining about it, but people are complaining about a lot of things, and right, tech right. is I mean, one of the many, right? Yeah, it doesn't get its head above water of all the rather complaints. There are so yeah. many things about Commander and EDH that people complain about con- consistently, and Tuck doesn't even move the needle at all uh, in that respect. So, yeah, and I feel like we're pretty qualified to say that, seeing as we ask for questions continually from the community, and we don't see this really pop up ever. Yeah, exactly. We're interacting with this specific part of the community yeah. constantly and rarely, if ever, has it ever come up as a, yeah. as a point of contention. I also feel like another point on the third point where the, the line potentially forcing players into feeling like they need to play those colors in order to survive is not a point that you can make. In, it's, it's not represented by any data that I can even yeah. hypothetically come the, up with. And you're blue and white, blue, blue and white, <laughs> in no way make up. I mean, blue makes up a large percentage yes, of the format, correct. and that's got nothing to do with Tuck and everything to do with the fact that since Legacy, blue is the best color. Yeah, but white certainly does not make up an inordinate amount of the of the remainder. Yeah. If anything, I would say that black is probably the next represented, mm-hmm. and and green and white are probably tied with red in last place. So. If, if what you're saying is that this forces people to play those colors, I don't see it in any data set that I can imagine. Agreed. And even just looking within our local meta, it is not the case. Again, we have tons of Sultai decks running around, tons of Abzan decks running around too. And, and, and how many Esper decks can you think of? There's some, but they're definitely some, not. Yeah. I can think yeah. of more Bant decks than Esper decks. Yeah. And um, I can think of more mono blue decks, you know, yeah. which have nothing to do with white. I, I, I just... It just feels like a bad change. You know, one thing I'll say also is that Tuck, the presence of it, the fact that it does exist, mm-hmm. it has to be calculated at all times as a risk that you take when you put your general out with no protection. Yeah. You know, and, and so without that, the format's very, very different. It'll just, it just takes away a lot of the risk of just putting your commander out or putting a lot of things out. You know, it used to be like, man, I could play my commander here. But if they've got Hinder, or if they've got Chaos Warp on their turn, if they just untap and Chaos Warp me, mm-hmm. I'm hosed. So I'm not going to play my commander yet. I'm going to wait until I have a sack outlet, yeah. or I have, or I have counterspell backup. Or, or if I you're have... in red, if you have Fork, right? Doesn't that save you as well from a Hinder that that or a spell crumple? Yep, exactly. So it's like I'm going to wait until I have. You know, that's strategy. That's tactics. Yeah. That's not just doing the first thing you can do. Yeah, and, and it's also like the first time you run into someone tucking your general because you ran out Kiki-Jiki when everyone had open mana up and knew that you could potentially cast that general. Like, that, who's to blame? Like, you were saying this earlier on Twitter. Who's to blame in this case? Yeah, exactly. It's not the guy that played the tuck spell. It's the guy that just mindlessly ran his thing into it. Yeah. Point number four, it clears up some corner case rules awkwardness. This is not... This should not be a major point in arriving at the decision to to ban Tuck. If it, it shouldn't be any, it shouldn't be anywhere on the radar. It <laughs> if it's be rules it awkwardness, then just write a note that explains in specific cases what happens. That's what happens with Gatherer. They say in this case, this fringe case scenario, this is what happens. Not let's ban this whole mechanic. <laughs> yeah. Well, and by the way, I mean Jimmy, we play a lot of Commander, and we actually play a lot Commander with a lot of different people now. Mm-hmm. I mean, we play with random people. We'll play with you know the space janitors come to town and they just tweet at us, and we play Commander with them and. How many times have we won, run into like weird rules interactions we didn't know how to deal with uh, involving Tuck? Uh, never. never. <laughs> it's never happened. You Again, know what? This, this feels like another meta, a meta case where it's like, this is what's happening in the rules committee's meta. This is what's happening for them They're specifically. They're all judges. 
they're all judges. How are there rules that they don't get? I mean, everybody carries with them all of human knowledge on their phone at all times. Yeah. So weird rules interactions shouldn't be that big of a deal because at any time, it's not, it's not a competitive format. You know, we just stop, pull out the phone. Yeah. Uh, yep. It says, this is what happens. And then you continue to play. The weird thing is that tuck itself still exists, right? It's just for commanders in particular. So why, Correct. why is it now like, Hey, let's say you play Kiki Jiki and then someone tucks your infinite combo piece. You have the feel bads there too. Don't you like, you can't do it anymore. Oh no. Your one piece that you just tutored for got tucked away. Shouldn't you have equal feel bads? Why is it just Kiki Jiki that gets banned? Why is it not the other half of this combo? Yeah, it's a really good point. I also think like now we live in this world where the best way to build a deck is like super synergy involving your commander as the centerpiece, right? Yeah. Now that, that, that's what that, this is encouraging for sure. Yeah. Now that method existed before, but there was a downside to it. And the downside was you could be punished by Tuck. Mm-hmm. That didn't make it bad. It just made it even. Now it's far and away the best because we don't have consistency in our decks. It's a singleton format. The yeah. only thing you have access to all the time is your commander. And so now, now all of a sudden, it. if you make that commander completely impervious, it makes the strategy of build around your commander just the only way to play it. So yeah. again, what we do, we narrowed the format. We didn't widen it. You know, why do we want to narrow it? Why do we want to tell people like, let's make it so there's less ways that you should be playing? No, you should have more ways that you should be playing. It's like it's like if they went through modern and they just started like making it so there was only three good decks, you know? They're yeah. trying to do the opposite. They're trying to make it so that as many decks are viable as possible. And this took out a whole bunch of decks that could could rely on having tuck effects to fight their way past these really powerful generals, mm-hmm. you know, like Narset and Perforos and, you know, these these really oppressive generals. And now it's like they're those generals are going to be so hard to deal with. I feel like it's going to it's going to just narrow the amount of generals that you can really play. Yeah. If you, if you want to have a chance to win, I mean, there's always going to be, you know, more casual places. People aren't so cutthroat, but you know, people want to have powerful decks. That's part of what's fun about the format. And if all of a sudden, like you just lopped off a whole bunch of the generals that can realistically win, then that seems like less fun to me. Yeah, and we've talked about this how many times now? Like, someone is being oppressive. You don't need to tuck their general to kill them. You don't need to do that. You can just use politics. You can use what the fundamental, most important, and fun part of the game is to get your victory out. You know, you don't need to go about banning this specifically to make a better gameplay experience overall. I feel like you are really just shooting yourself in the foot. It's kind. It feels like a knee-jerk reaction to something that has been the source of i'm sure louder complaints but it doesn't mean it's the most complained about thing by far yeah i think also that's maybe the best point made so far is that you know basically if you think tuck's an issue then there's two ways to go and one is to allow play groups to make house rules Mm -hmm. and disallow tuck on their own and the other is to make a rule about tuck yourself and then the play groups are now making house rule rules to allow tuck yeah I feel but like I want to yeah. I want to live in the world where the main base rule that that the over the, the umbrella big rule, you know, that most people are playing under mm-hmm. is is as open as possible, has the least amount of stuff banned. Yeah. And this feels the opposite. Yeah, I remember when I first started playing and I made a Kiki Jiki deck and I ran into Tuck for the first time and I looked at what happened and I looked at what I was about to do and I went, yeah. That is a legitimate way to stop me from doing this. And then I mm-hmm. continued to play the game and I built my deck in a way that there was redundancy. So 
it worked. Because think about it this way, right? Let's say you build a deck that is all about your commander and everyone knows it and your commander is oppressive and guess what? It just gets kill shot. It gets death blowed every single time it comes out to the battlefield and you just can't cast it because it's been killed four or five times now, right? Why would you not have redundancy in that deck anyway? Now that Tuck is gone, like you should be building your decks in a way that even if people are doing this a thousand times to your general and you can never reliably cast them because you know they're going to die immediately, like your deck should be re- have that redundancy anyway. And with Tuck in play, you should have already had that. It just feels weird. Now. I don't know. It just feels like it didn't accomplish anything. <laughs> Except for just making the format a, a little bit worse. You know, it yeah. feels like it just took away tools. I don't understand just taking away tools. Yeah. I, 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 I just don't get it. So I also hate just literally t- so many cards now you just can't, reliably used as well as as you originally wanted to but you know what Uh, we're making a house rule in our house i guess tuck is totally fine (laughs) maybe we'll see we'll see we'll We'll talk about it some more next week um we had to cover it because it's a huge thing one of the bigger things that happened to our format in a while yeah Um, definitely if you guys have any comments or opinions on your own if you disagree or agree or just have a new point make sure you tweet it at us or comment on the rocket jump page uh under the podcast and we will address those issues, and we will definitely talk about when we do our uh, episode and focus a lot more on this topic in, in particular. I'm really interested to hear people's opinions. I mean, we've gotten a yeah. lot of opinions today already, but you know, it, it, we're getting a good picture of whether people think this is a good or not, and I think that that's really interesting. And it actually, you know, there's a lot of opposition to it out there, and I wouldn't say that it's 100% that this rule sticks. I mean, there's a lot of people they're up in arms about it. So it's possible that it gets overturned. Um, and if you feel strongly about it, like I clearly do, then that's something that maybe you want to happen. And and the way that you have that happen is you sort of speak out and let mm-hmm. your voice be heard. So, and if you want the rule to stay, then that's fine too. And you should speak out in, in that, in that direction. So, yes. And, and much credit to Sheldon and the rules committee, because they have done a bang up job of making the format work as a whole. Um, and also they are very transparent about how they go about it. You know, Sheldon did explain the whole process on the five commanders podcast. So, you know, make your voice be known. This is a community based game and it is about the community and it's about having fun. So if you, if you have an opinion, make it be known and you can, you know, you can actually sway how things go. Yeah. I think this is something that we all can affect. So Mm -hmm, absolutely. All right. On to the real episode. Yes. Let's talk about some dragons of Tarkir. Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome back to another episode of The Command Zone. This is episode number 35, and it is our Dragons of Tarkir EDH Commander Set Review. Hooray. Fire-breathing dragons, I don't know. (laughs) I was just waiting to see how much sound effects you would do. (laughs) You hear the distant flapping of wings. How's it? Almost forgot. Oh right, I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. Yeah, how's it again? It's Josh Lee Kwai. <laughs> how's it? How's it? Yeah, it's we good. did it the same way for 34 times, and then we decided to change it up. What? Yeah, just once. Just once. So, uh, as obviously you've heard, today's episode is the Dragons of Tarkir EDH set review. It's been fully spoiled. Pre-release weekend has come and gone, and it's time for... And presumably it was awesome. Yeah, it presumably was awesome. I think this is really going to be a fun set to play sealed, because... We don't know for sure, because we're recording this before pre-release <laughs> weekend. Yeah, I mean, it looks like it's going to be fun. Um, something tells me that there is a Black White Warriors deck that is even more ridiculous. You think it's more? I don't know. I don't know. They don't have the 
they don't have that chief of the edge and the chief of the scale and the raider spoils. Raider spoils did take them to another level. Either we're going to look smart or foolish, depending on how it went. <laughs> Hopefully smart, because we're going to be reviewing these cards with 50-50, either one way or the other. Yeah. I'm not sure. So this episode is pretty simple. We're going to go through, uh, as we do with all of our other set review episodes, we're going to talk about the legendary creatures that can be your commanders and sort of the cards in each color that we think could make the jump to our uh, our format. So, but quickly, mm, beforehand, yes. there's been some exciting things that I feel like we need to talk about. And one of them is Magic Origins, uh, which is coming out on July 17th. The final core set. Something very exciting has been spoiled, I'm sure. Well, maybe maybe some of you have seen it, maybe not. But mm-hmm. they have dual-faced Planeswalker slash Legendary Creature cards. Yeah. Okay, the card we've seen so far is Liliana heretical healer Ooh, so to give you guys a spoiler well it's been spoiled it's one and two black so three total same cost as a lily on the veil but it's a two three legendary creature that's a human cleric that's black and it has lifelink and it's liliana before she gets her spark and the text on her says whenever another non-token creature you control dies exile liliana heretical healer then return her to the battlefield transformed under her owner's control if you do put a two two black zombie creature token onto the battlefield so what she does is she flips over and she mm-hmm. becomes the Planeswalker. Ooh, which is a three uh, dedication. Three <laughs> loyalty? Dedicated. Loyalty, yeah. She's dedicated, too. Uh, three <laughs> loyalty. Um, her plus two is each player discards a card. Very Liliana-esque. Her minus X is return target non-legendary creature card with converted mana cost X from your graveyard to the battlefield. And her minus eight, which will never happen, is you get an emblem with whenever a creature dies, return to the battlefield under your control at the beginning of the next end step. That's so, any creature, like your opponent's creature. creature dies. Yeah. You get it. It's like a Marchesa's. Uh, under your control. It's like Marchesa's favorite necromancer. Favorite best friend. Yeah, favorite best friend. Um, yeah, so this is really exciting because it's sort of our second shot at yeah. uh, Planeswalkers as commanders. Now, these ones start as regular creatures and then they flip over and become Planeswalkers. Um, her and abilities are really interesting because when she's a creature, if another creature you control dies, you get a 2-2 zombie and she flips over. So she does protect herself, yeah, sort of. Yeah, because you could sack something if yeah. someone targets her. Or just block with something. Uh-huh. You know, if you've got two things, Liliana and something else, they don't want to attack you if you can block because they don't want you to flip Liliana, right? So yeah. that's just sort of nice. Um, and then once she flips, her abilities synergize pretty well. So... Her plus two, as you said, is everybody discards a card. And then her minus X is return target non-legendary creature with converted mana cost X from your graveyard to the battlefield. So yeah. you can plus two her. You have to discard a card also. And you can you put discard, that card back. You discard ah. a creature. And then with the minus X, you bring that creature directly to the battlefield in the next turn. That's really cool. I didn't yeah. think about that. So those synergize well. Her negative, her ultimate is obviously awesome. Yeah, it's insane. The, the anytime <laughs> anything dies, you get it is pretty good. Yeah. Um, so, the flavor is awesome, too. So I guess the story is Liliana tried to heal her brother right. who was dying and turns out... She used out, the dark magical arts. Yeah. And, and it didn't work. never turns out well. It, she, the Cal Drogo thing happened. He yeah. came back and he's not the same. He's a zombie. He's a zombo. And from then that traumatic experience made her become a planeswalker, I guess. Yeah. A.K.A. a and new And it explains why she's so mad. Creature. Yeah. That, I would be pretty I, pissed, I'd too. I'd be pissed, too. Yeah. So this is really cool. We're assuming that all the other planeswalkers... In the set, yes, that actually, each color will have uh, what is it? Chandra, Gideon, mm-hmm. um, uh, Liliana, Jace, Jace Liliana, and, and Nissa. Uh, Nissa. Yeah. So we're assuming there's going to be. And Mark I'm pretty, is actually confirmed. Mark oh, Rosor did confirm. It's no the, longer an assumption. Is yeah. it, it's a. 
There will be five double dual phase planeswalker cards that you can all use as your general, and those are the only du- double phase cards in the set. How cool! I mean, yeah. it's going to be very cool. My only sort of disappointment is that they're monocolored. It's true. I mean, I think I think they missed an opportunity here. Liliana should have been white on the front and black on the black back. on the back. Yeah, like so she was, she was a nice healer. But then what happened is her brother died. And that caused her to do something that, you know, yeah. she wouldn't have done, but she's desperate. And delving into the dark arts is what turned her soul black. Yeah. And turned her into the Black Planeswalker. And it would have been really cool. I feel I like think. Garrick is going to be green no matter what, though. <laughs> well, Garrick's not in the set. He's not, not going to be a Oh, that's fist. right. Yeah. That's right. So all the rest of them could be... Right, they could have could, a They could start dual-colored and turn over and be, you know, a, you know, Nissa could have been blue and red before and then turn into... You know what I mean? You're right, right. Like, that's some opportunity also, like... It's cool to have these legendary creatures we can use as commanders, but if yeah. you have to put them in monocolored decks, it's like way less exciting to me. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be really tough for people if they wanted to draft these cards and they were two-color because it sort of forces you into that immediately. You know? No, it doesn't matter because you're in the one color. When you flip them oh, over, that's right. you never you're can one cast the them other. as the other. Yeah, yeah it's true. So you don't care what, it, what color it is when it flips over. It flips but too, in commander, yeah. we care because that would be part of the color identity. Right. So right. if she was white on the front, black on the back, then we could play white and black in that yeah. deck. Yeah, yeah. So... Anyway, just a little thing. It's still pretty cool. Um, I'm glad they're experimenting. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that there are always legendary creatures in every set now. I think Wizards definitely has figured that out at the very least. Make sure least. give us something yeah, new. give us yeah. at least a couple yeah. of new commanders. Um, Speaking of another set. Yes, Modern Masters 2. We've talked about this because we're all going to GP Vegas, and we're going to have a blast. Book hope your to, trip. Book hope, your trip. Come hang out. We'll play see, yeah. with us. We're going to have some parties. We're going to like get people together and play, You know, do some kind of gather for me. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, but there have been a lot of reprints. Obviously, the whole set is a reprint set for the modern format, but that also means a lot of cards that are great for EDH, and also the drafting experience, I'm sure, is going to be amazing. I mean, modern is full of very powerful cards. Those are the mm-hmm. cards that get used, and they're reprinting cards specifically from decks that are in pl- that are like competitive decks. Yeah. And so a lot of those cards are great for our format. I think the most exciting one we've seen so far is Karn. Yeah, Karn the Liberated. Yeah, Karn, and it's really exciting for our format because he's playable in any deck because yep. he's colorless, so... Yeah, Karn the original is, colorless planeswalker. He's one of the biggest, baddest planeswalkers there is, and he is—he's like one—he's like kind of like duplicate on crack. Like he is—he's for seven mana, you get one of the best sort of planeswalkers you can put in any of your decks. And up until now, he's been very hard to get because he's only been printed once, I think, and so his price tag is way up there. But with Modern Masters two, hopefully things will settle down a little bit, and we'll get to put Karn in more of our decks. Unfortunately, a lot of the other cards in the set aren't very playable in EDH, like Tarmogoyf or Emrakul. Goyf is not that great for us. Emrakul is actually banned. Straight up banned, yeah. So let me read Karn really quick. He's seven mana for a six loyalty Planeswalker. His plus four... Plus four. Oh, goodness. Yeah, so he goes (laughs) up to ten loyalty when you do this. Is target player exiles a card from his or her hand. Which is interesting, and often you want to do this on yourself. I'll explain why. His negative three is just exile target permanent. Pretty good. Which is awesome. And then his negative 14, his ultimate, is restart the game, leaving in exile all non-aura permanent cards exiled with Karn Liberated. Then put those cards onto the battlefield under your control. So you start a new game, but the cards you exiled come into play and everything else leaves. So if you exiled a card from your own hand... That's going to come into play when you when you do the ultimate. So usually yeah. you're gonna if if the board looks clear, you're gonna exile a couple cards from your own hand and then ultimate and blow everybody else's stuff away and then put your your cards into play. Yeah, you're like your artisan of yeah. cozy like a rule. And if the board is not clear, you just start exiling other people's stuff and you never ultimate them. Yeah, which is amazing too. So 
Very powerful cards. Yeah, has been very expensive. We're excited to have it back. Hopefully, this will bring the price tag down, and it's going to go in a lot of EDH decks. Yeah, so it's a very exciting time for Magic. Super exciting. So many cool new sets coming out. Uh, I'm very excited to see what the new block structure is going to be like post-Origins, because they're, they're changing it now. So instead of three sets, like this last set with that ends with Dragons of Tarkir, is now they're going to be in two sets. So Yeah, there's this interesting rotation that's going to happen for Standard. Yeah. I, I don't know that this has ever happened, but Cons of Tarkir and Fate Reforged will rotate out at the same time, but Dragons of Tarkir will still be around with mm-hmm. Magic Origins, and then those two will rotate out at the same time. So it's pretty interesting. Um, yeah, super exciting time. We've got three sets coming out in like the next three months. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of new cards to get your hands on. Yep. It's going to be super uh, fun. If we didn't mention it, this show is also based around some giveaways. We asked you guys on tw- uh, on Reddit to submit your favorite combos from Dragons of Tarkir for EDH or sort of, sort of new synergies that you found, and we're giving out prizes for that. So you guys can help the show grow in this way. If you guys tell tell your friends, tell your playgroup about the Command Zone podcast because we give away sweet stuff. Well, and also <laughs> hopefully because you like the show. And anybody, you know, the more people that we get that are listening, that's just more stuff we have access to give away. Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, Wizards has been really nice about giving us product to, to pass on to you guys, and that's mm-hmm. just going to happen more often yep. as the show continues to grow. So make sure you tell your friends, tell your playgroup, hit that subscribe button, give us some reviews on iTunes, all that yeah. good stuff. Yeah, telling your friends doesn't lower your chances of winning. Trust us. Trust us. Maybe we'll even do something, some like referral bonuses in the future. Who knows? Wow. <laughs> you could sign up for an affiliate program with the Command <laughs> Zone. Amway now. <laughs> this, the Command Zone just turned into Amway, everybody. Yeah. All right, guys. Let's fly with dragons, and let's move on to today's main topic, the Dragons of Tarkir set review. Sarkin is back. Uh, he's a different looking planeswalker than he was before, and there are a lot of dragons. It's the final conclusion to the Tarkir storyline. So if you guys don't know, uh, what happened is Sarkin went to uh, the world of Tarkir. There are no dragons left. He was super bummed out. Uh, Soren also came looking for someone, and like usual, Soren has failed to find the thing he was looking for. Poor Soren. <laughs> but Sarkin has gone back in time. Uh, he's met with Ugin, and he's changed the timeline of this, uh, of this world. And back in the present, the final set is here, and we have new Elder Dragons. So... We play EDH. There's a lot of legendary creatures. This seems like a pretty cool thing. EDH, if you don't know, stands for Elder Dragon Highlander. I know a lot of newer players know it as Commander, which is the official name now, but it originally started, and it was based around some creatures from Legends that were all Elder Dragons. So Mm -hmm. this is the first time we've had Elder Dragons since. Yeah. Um, We'll get into that in a little bit. Let's start with the new mechanics from the set. Yes. So the first new mechanic up is Exploit. So Exploit is a uh, an ability that you can trigger when a creature comes into the battlefield. And it says, when this creature enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice a creature. Uh, so when the creature enters the battlefield, you can choose someone to sacrifice. You can sacrifice itself. And almost always there is an additional effect on that card that says, you get to do this if you exploited a creature. Um, then the next uh, mechanic is called Rebound. This is an old mechanic that's been brought back. It says, if you cast this spell from your hand, exile it as it resolves. At the beginning of your next upkeep, you may cast this card from exile without paying its mana cost. Right. So you basically get it this turn, and then you get it for free next turn. And you can do sorcery speed stuff at instant speed at your next you upkeep. Get, you get yeah. to cast it during your upkeep. But if, if you says. draw a card, then you do not get to cast that card, that card during your next upkeep because the, you passed your upkeep at that point. Right. You need to trigger it during your upkeep. Yes. Um, it creates some interesting moments, but it's just basically a value yeah. mechanic where it's like, instead of doing this effect once, I'd get to do it twice, but there's this natural pause that has to occur. Yeah, yeah. So those are the upsides and downsides we'll be looking at. Um, the next one is formidable. 
Formidable yeah. is very similar to Ferocious, if we remember from Cons of Tarkir. It mm-hmm. just says, basically, you get an extra effect if creatures you control have a total power of eight or greater as the spell resolves. So you're going to cast something, it's going to do something, and then it'll usually say Formidable. Yep. So you also get to do this if you have eight or more total right. power among or creatures you control. Or do this instead. Yeah. So... Sometimes, you know, this is going to be like you can get hosed a little bit. You can play it thinking you have formidable and at an instant speed they can respond and kill one of your creatures and bring you below that eight right. power total. Something to watch out for as you're playing these cards. Yeah. Uh, and Wizards, fortunately, has done us a favor by sort of because it's similar to Ferocious. They also start this word with an F. So it's easier to remember, uh, which takes us to our last new mechanic, which is Megamorph. 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 Megamorph like, and Power Rangers. Yeah, that's exactly what, it, that's <laughs> that's, exactly that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Uh, and Megamorph is the evolution of Morph. Now that we're in a new timeline, Morph is something new. So normally Morph is you just cast a card face down for three colorless mans, a 2-2 creature, and then they all have a Morph cost on it that you can turn it face up for at any time. It's a special ability. You don't need to have priority to do it. Just like Morph. Yep. And so for Megamorph, when you turn it face up for that new Megamorph cost, you just put a plus one, plus one counter on top of it, as well as you know just the regular creature's base toughness and power. Yeah, so it's basically the exact same as Morph, except when you flip it up, it gets a 1-1 counter. Yeah. Which means that you're more incentivized, because there'd be points in a game where instead of playing something as a morph, you just play it face up because it's it, it's more efficient. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you're going to want to just play it face down and then immediately flip it yeah. just to get that extra plus one, plus one counter. Yeah. It's a little bit interesting. I don't know. It, it, it doesn't function much differently. Yeah. There's still added effects like when this creatures turn face up do this right so yeah um and usually uh morph costs are less than the actual casting cost of the creature in megamorph's case they it sort of tends towards the other end where sometimes it will cost more because you get an additional effect and the plus one plus one counter or it's like put a plus one plus one counter on each dragon creature you control which is pretty nuts there's a few megamorphs that do that all right, you want to move on to the legendary creatures? Of yes. Set? So all of the uh, cons from the last uh, set uh, from Cons of Tarkir have now changed. They're all in different skins, and this is actually we should remind you guys it's a dual uh, color set now. So there is not any more um, sort of tricolored mythics like uh, like Anafenza was Abzan, which was black, white, and green. Uh, the new Anafenza is not that. Uh, I don't think there are any three-colored cards in this set. I don't now. think so, actually. Yeah, I don't think there are. So the first one we'll start off with is Surak, the Hunt Caller. So Surak used to be the Teamer uh, General, and now he just turned into a Mono Green General. He costs two and two green for four total for a legendary creature, Human Warrior, at five four. So pretty good. And he's our first instance of Formidable. At the beginning of combat on your turn, if creatures you control have pow- total power eight or greater. Target creature you control gains haste until end of turn. So this could be him. Uh, right. You know, if you already had three power out when you play him, mm-hmm. then he's a 5-4 with haste. Otherwise, he just kind of gives one thing haste every turn if you have yeah, eight power. It's This is limited. Uh, I, I don't think this will really see much play. It's just not commander. powerful enough for Yeah, us. exactly. Especially, if you're running mono green, like, there's so much better stuff than this. Yeah, and Concordant Crossroads does what he does, and it gives everyone haste. And it's like It does would, give your opponents haste, too. Yeah, but, but like usually you're winning the game on that turn if you're, do, if you're playing that card. And, um, and we actually talked about a card that's very similar to this last week that I think is just better and gives you more color options. Xenagos. Yep. Xenagos gives something haste every time. Yeah. You don't need Formidable. And also, it doubles their power. Yeah. I Which can't would see... give you formidable, probably. Yeah, <laughs> true. I can't see any reason to run Surak as your general unless you're just being a little bit cheeky. Yeah, yeah, I agree there. All right, moving on to uh, Anafenza is back. Yeah, she's uh, evidently a ghost of some kind because she's a kintree spirit, and 
I'm going to read her text. She's it's, a spirit soldier. Josh. A spirit soldier, sorry. <laughs> her, her name is Anafenja Kintree Spirit. She's a 2-2 legendary go. creature, spirit soldier. She costs two white, so two mana for a 2-2. <laughs> Whenever another non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, bolster one. So as we recall, bolster means choose a creature with the least toughness among creatures you control and put a 1-1 counter on it. Yeah. So if it was bolster two, you'd put two one one counters on it. This mm-hmm. is bolster one. So anytime you play a non token creature, you get to put a one one counter on the creature you have with the least amount of toughness. Yeah. Um. Seems like a small effect. It's, yeah, it's not huge. Uh, the the I mean, if it was just straight anytime a creature enters the battlefield under your control, then this would be busted because you would just spew out tokens left and, and just, right. They'd all get huge. Yeah, that's um, true. It'd be like uh, Cathar's Crusade then. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well. Oh, oh! This is our first Reddit yes. person. Oh, let me read the Reddit. What uh, an idea from a Reddit user. So this is from Nozzle Hog on Reddit. So <laughs> good, Nozzle good Hog, name. if you're listening, you need to email us. And this is for anybody's name who we uh, mm-hmm. who we call uh, at commandcast at rocketjump.com. Email us your mailing address so we can send out your prize. Yeah, congrats! Congratulations! On this fun little combo. So Nozzle Hog says she, meaning Anna Fenza, goes infinite with almost any persist creature and a sack outlet. It is an interesting thing because let's say, let's just say it was Kitchen Finks. Mm-hmm. Kitchen Finks comes in, you gain some life, you sack it, it comes back with a negative one, negative one counter on it, but yep. that's a non token creature coming into play. And Offensive puts a one, one counter on Kitchen Finks, which negates the negative one, negative one counter. Yep. Sack it again. Yep. So if you so just have only- Anaphenza and Kitchen Finks out, yeah. you're going to get infinite life. Yep, and you will also have a if you have like a sack outlet like any of the altars, you can also get infinite, infinite mana. mana. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you could be simultaneously getting infinite life and infinite mana. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. It almost makes me think she's playable. There's probably enough persist creatures out there. Right, you'd have to f- slaughter into a deck where you're trying to do stuff like that in general. Yeah, um, and this could just be one of your win conditions, right? Just have mm-hmm. infinite life, and no, can no one. There's a lot of creatures whatever. that do stuff when they come to play and have <clears throat> persist. Yeah, exactly. So you can just stack a bunch of those together. Yeah, so I think there's maybe something there. The fact that she's monocolored really sort of it gimps it a little bit. Yeah. Well, definitely so, as a general. So. Yeah. So, anyway, the, play around with it there you might find something cool. Yeah. I like puppeteer click with her. I think that'd be fun. Oh, there you go. In like mid to late game when you're going to be doing this to potentially have a win. But con. again, you can't have her as your commander if you're running puppeteer click. Yes. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the next guy. This guy got a pretty big demotion. Um, this is <laughs> He got the biggest demotion. Yeah, he got the biggest demotion. This is Zergo Bell Striker. Bing. <laughs> <laughs> so Zergo, he's not even hitting a big bell yeah. he's hitting a little teeny bell <laughs> he's just like not poor like, guy let's go the bell yeah, it's not even like a gong it made like yeah. a bing <laughs> wow so wow. zergo bell striker he used to be zergo helm smasher yeah he used to be a five drop that had seven power and two toughness and was indestructible on your turn now he's a legendary creature orc warrior that costs one red and is a 2-2. So that by itself is good in some formats because one mana 2-2s are always important for right. aggro strategies. Right. Um, but he uh, is his text is, Zergo Bell Striker can't block creatures with power 2 or greater, and you can dash him out for one in a he red. He can block 1-1s. One he can block 1-1s one very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and dashing means you can play that spell for his dash cost, and it gets haste, and then it, re- it gets returned to uh, its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. And... You're never really going to do that with him either, I don't think. I mean, you might, just to smack him real quick. For I don't know. Two power? Well, I maybe mean, you have a hero's blade out on the table, and then he's going to be five okay, power. Yeah. Um, it just, 
tiny leaders. I think there's tiny leaders, right? I, I yeah. Don't, I don't yeah, think Yeah, I can see is... it's being pure aggro, mono red. And even then, there seems like there's just way better options for mono red general. I, I can't yeah. imagine ever running this as your general. Yeah, I I, I honestly can't either. You have to... I, I'd rather play Felden of the third path. Yeah, I think, or would Kiki, be. or there's a million dudes. Well, not for tiny leaders, but yeah. oh, right, right, right. Yeah, Felden yeah. fits in that. But well, you'd have to be um, artifact based. Maybe yeah. if you have a super aggro-y... I don't know. We don't really play tiny leaders, so I won't talk about it too much. Anyway, this just doesn't seem that useful to us. Yeah, but um, this last one is probably this is the best one. It's the best one by far. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sedisi, Undead Vizier. three and two black, five total for a legendary creature, Zombie Naga. She's a four six. With Death Touch, huh? Very also relevant. our first instance of exploit. So when this creature enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice a creature. You may, you don't have to, but yep. and you can, and you can uh, sacrifice Sedisi. So you Herself, can, yeah, yeah, you can sacrifice the creature with exploit. So it says when Sedisi exploits a creature, you may search your library for a card, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. So That's she, not powerful, is it? It's among the most powerful things <laughs> you can do. She demonic tutors a card. Yeah, that's great. So um, worst case scenario, if you have no creatures, Sidisi can be a five mana. It's basically tutor. a diabolic tutor for one extra mana. Yeah, yeah. But best case scenario, you've got a little creature or a token, or you know you've active treasoned your opponent's uh, creature. Yeah, or you just have a creature that you know has persist even you know or anything that just does something when it dies. Yeah, true. Good point. And then you also get to demonic tutor when you kill it. Mm-hmm. So that's and then if you. F- if you can flicker Sidisi or oh you boy. can reoccur Sidisi. I mean, there's so many ways you can think of off the top mm-hmm. of your head to just now tutor every single turn. Yeah. And uh, Reddit user Tenet Lamat had that exact same idea, except using Mimic Vat, which I think is really interesting. So Mimic Vat uh, is essentially this artifact that can copy a creature as it leaves the battlefield and dies. And you for three mana, you can tap it and create a copy of that creature that gets killed at the next end step. So you can essentially recurse a DC over and over again for a much and then, cheaper amount of mana. And then you can just sacrifice that that token. That copy, yeah. And so for three mana, you just tutor every turn with Mimic Vat. That yeah. seems pretty good. I like yeah. that. Not to mention just a DC coming in, killing herself, triggers the Mimic Vat to be able to see it going to the graveyard and like get it for itself. Right. You know, So pretty good card. Um, would you build a deck around this, or would you, uh, would you slot it into something else, you think? Well, you don't. You know me, I don't like monocolor decks. Yeah. But this is a pretty good monocolor black general. I think you could do a lot worse. I mean, there's yeah. probably some that are better, but I could see a deck built around this effect. I mean, this is basically like you can build a deck and you can build in some interesting things because you know you can always go find... You just have a tutor on a stick that's available yeah. to you at all times. So that's that alone is very powerful. But I think she just fits in a lot of decks because... Oh, yeah. And- you know, tutoring effects are just super powerful <laughs> in our format. Yeah, not to mention black is the color where you don't mind killing off your own guys. Yeah, for generally a true. Better effect, um, and plus, even if it is a good creature, but it's not the creature you need to deal with what's happening on the board. I totally would just sacrifice a good creature if I could tutor up something. Like mm-hmm. that's fine. If like push comes to shove, I'm more than happy to do that. Let's say you need a board wipe and you have one creature out. Yeah. Well, you don't care if you sacrifice a creature. You're about to wipe the board, so yeah. that just gives you the versatility to get the thing you need at the time you need it. I think this card is. It's easily the strongest of the legendary creatures, at least the non-dragon legendary creatures. Yeah, uh, it's a, I think so it's far. a very powerful EDH card as well. Um, out so, of all of them so far. Yeah, so we're only going to read four of them because Narset is conspicuously missing. We'll, we'll yeah. tackle her a little bit later. 
Yeah, she's she's off doing something. She's c- too cool for this legendary creature <laughs> stuff. She's like too cool for school here. Yeah, she's you know she's taking it to another level. In a, if in Zergo a way. got demoted, I would say Narset got promoted. Yeah, yeah, because she's the only one that actually is in multiple colors. And she's yeah a planeswalker. Yeah. yeah. Whoa! Wait, spoiler, 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 spoiler alert. All right, uh, we'll talk about it later though. Okay. Right. Uh, let's move on to the next the cycle of legendary creatures, which is Elder Dragons. The Elder Dragon cycle. So this is the first time we've seen Elder Dragons since the original Legends. Do you yeah. want to rant now or rant, rant later? Because I know you got something on your mind. <sighs> That's me deciding if I'm going to rant now or uh, let's rant now. Let's, let's rant. do it. Okay, Bing. hold on. Let me get my umbrage all set up. Oh, nice. Good word. Why did they call them Elder Dragons? I don't know. I wasn't around when they when they played, so I'll, I'll be the uh, straight man here. Okay. I'm just a little bit... I'm a little salty. I wish they would have just called them Legendary Creature or Dragon, dragon. Lord. Dragon or, Lord, yeah. Or Ultra Cool Dragon. Because <laughs> our format was... Anytime original... an Ultra Cool Dragon comes into the battlefield <laughs> under your control. <laughs> what? That doesn't sound like Pokemon or something. <laughs> I don't know. We got Megamorph, so I think that's acceptable <laughs> That's at this actually point. a really good point. Ultra Cool Dragon is right around the corner, everybody. You heard it here first. <laughs> well, see, here's the thing. Our format as most people know, originally called Elder Dragon Highlander. Mm -hmm. And it was originally the Elder Dragons from Legends. There was five of them. They all were seven power. They all were sort of similar. They had upkeep costs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most people remember Nicol Bolas, who if he hits your opponent, they discard their hand. Um, But the reason that we have 21 commander damage is what knocks you out is because it was exactly three swings from one Elder Dragon. Oh, I actually didn't know that. So... Anyway, my the issue I'm taking with the Elder Dragons from this set is that there's no callback to oh, what the yeah. Elder Dragons were. Like I never mind, I don't find any of them particularly powerful, but that's fair. Looking back at the older Elder Dragons, now they're not very powerful. Like you wouldn't usually play one. Nicol yeah. Bolas is the only one you'd play and even then, he's a little tough. He's got a huge upkeep cost. But at least give me something. Like give me Elder Dragon should mean something. There's a whole format named after it. Right. And I feel like they sort of, there's a little bit of disrespect towards the commander community and the EDH community in the way that they just sort of threw Elder Dragon on these guys and didn't really think of the ramifications. It's like, come on, there's a lot of us that play this format and we think it's pretty cool. Give me something. Make them all seven power. Make them, you know, have an upkeep cost. Make them, or all their abilities are similar to the abilities of the originally Elder Dragons. Like, just give me something. And, And they didn't do that. I'm a little bit, it's fine. But. I think, I mean, yeah, I think so. I'll play devil's advocate in, in Wizard's defense. So I, I suppose the tagging them as Elder Dragon is probably the first thing that should have been revisited, right? Because right. Because if they don't have any ties to the original Elder Dragons, that there could be... Then you do whatever you want. Yeah, do whatever you want. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Um, and I would also argue that I'm sure that they were designed with, right, the limited format in mind. Right. Limited and standard right. specifically. But in this case, looking at them, probably limited with a little splash of standard. So I think it's I, I kind of agree though, even though I never got to play with the original Elder Dragons, I know that there is some sort of there is a little bit of There's a mystique. There's a mystique, there's a history behind it. Mm-hmm. And I think just by sort of tagging on the title Elder Dragon without thinking about what it harkens back to may have been a slight misstep. Yeah, I just wish if you're gonna design them and they have nothing to do with commander format, just don't call them Elder Dragons. It's fine. Call them something else. But if you're gonna tag Elder Dragon on there, then they need to be like that's what our format's named after. Right. Well, it's yeah. funny that there is they're all Dragon Lord space the name of the dragon and they're all elder dragons. Yeah. You could just have called them Dragon Lords, I suppose. Exactly. And nobody would even care. Yeah. I don't actually, you know what? I don't even know if people really care. I've heard a few grumblings about this, but not a lot. So it I would love just it. Be you. I would love it if in the <laughs> comment section on Rocket Jump you guys would weigh in on this issue. Does it bother you that they're elder dragons? 
Do you not care? Do you think it's awesome? What do yeah. you think? Well, for someone like me, since I never played with the original Elder Dragons, I'm just like, oh, I guess these are Elder Dragons. Oh, cool. Elder Dragons. Isn't it like, wah, wah? <laughs> like, I feel like they should be awesome then. Yeah. Well, maybe there'll be a new cycle of super duper Elder Dragons, and those will be the new sort of Or standard. maybe people just disagree, and they think these are awesome. Let's start reading them, I guess, True. and then we'll see. Dragonlord Dramoka. So he used to be the Obzon Dragon. Now he is the green-white dragon. He's four, a green and a white, six total, uh, and he's a 5-7 legendary creature, and you guessed it, Elder Dragon. Dragonlord Dramoka can't be countered. He's flying lifelink, and your opponents can't cast spells during your turn. So he has like a, a grand abolisher effect tied, tied onto him. Right. And he's a 5-7 flying lifelinker for 6, which is pretty good. Yeah. And um, I think he also can't pretty, be countered. Yeah. His ability is pretty relevant because his abil- like his, the, your opponents can't cast spells during your turn kind of applies to his first ability that he can't be countered. True. So he's sort of covering his bases when he's coming in. It's, yeah. It's like as he's coming in, they still can't cast spells during your turn. Yeah. <laughs> I guess they could cast lightning. Um, this is nice because it actually shuts off some cards like uh, Prophet of Crufix and Fidelkin Orrery. It doesn't. Sh- yeah, that's true. Which is for your turn. Just for your least. turn. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing about Prophet. It's still going to work on the other guys' <laughs> turns that aren't you. But I don't know. It seems okay. Yeah, it's it's okay. I I think again, like if you're building your sweet dra- uh, dragon tribal deck, like all of these dragon lords are might find a place somewhere in they there. They might go in it, but are you going to have it, this as the the leader, the general, yeah. the commander of I your... I just think for these two colors, there's a lot more interesting stuff that is less trying to hate bear your other opponents and give you more stuff to do. You know, green-white has a whole host of sweet, sweet commanders there, so... Yeah, true. And I don't think Dramoka... Yeah. And, and you don't really want to build a dragon deck in just green-white, so you don't want yeah. him to be your commander, because there's not enough dragons in those two colors yeah even even the original dramoka the eternal from fate reforged i think would be a better general because he every time he attacks you get a bolster two and you can have some fun stuff with like plus one plus one counters and stuff Mm -hmm. uh in this case it's sort of just um this it feels like a reaction card this could be a deck that you build and never really cast the general unless you see uh a guy that's playing like tall mono blue or something yeah yeah yeah, exactly that makes sense um uh the next one is dragon lord ojutai it's three, a white, and a blue, so five total for a 5-4 flying Elder Dragon, of course. It says, Ojutai has hexproof as long as it's untapped. When Dragonlord Ojutai deals combat damage to a player, look at the top three cards of your library. Put one of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom in any order. So you draw a card, and it's actually card selection from the top three cards right. every time he smacks somebody. And he's hexproof, which is great. As long as it's untapped. Right. So if you give him Vigilance, then... That's then, immediately what I think, yeah, is you put yeah. him in a deck where there's a lot of stuff to be able to give him Vigilance. Brave the Sands from this Yeah, or this you can block. just put literally auras on him, because they're yeah. pretty safe. Um, you know, only a board wipe's going to get you. Right. Uh, and it draws cards. Card advantage is always good. Um, yeah. The only thing I don't like is it's if it deals combat damage to a player. Yeah. And so that means a 1-1 one, one flyer. It's a flyer, can, though. Can, yeah, it's true. It, it, it'll get through. Um, plus, these colors are the colors to, you know make sure that you can get through yeah it feels um, like there's always a player that's open to flying that you can smack if you need to i'm always open to flying i'm, <laughs> I'm open to it <laughs> yeah uh it's nice too because this is actually a pretty powerful effect um it's a little situational but i think in general you'd rather have this than not i could see this fitting into like a rafik deck really nicely mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh even a, an aura based uh shu yun deck would be really nice with this too mm-hmm. i just Again, it's like it's fine. It's playable yeah. as your commander, as the leader of your deck. Yeah. It just feels a little underwhelming, a little underpowered. I feel like there's a lot more powerful things you can do. Yeah, you know, with guys like even like Brago, who's pretty recent, flickering right. stuff like that. You can just break 
stuff, and this doesn't feel like you can break it. Yeah, this it feels, feels pretty fair. This feels like it's built for limited and standard. Yeah, again, as, it as feels I, fair. Yeah, feels fair. Uh, I don't want it to feel fair. No, because I want to be able to do incredible things with it. That's what our format's about. It's not about like, oh, I hit you for five and draw a card. Yeah. Um, now, Dragonlord Silumgar uh, is sort of a little. I think trending towards where we, we, we want our cards to be at. <laughs> this may be the best one. Yeah, it's a four and then blue-black, so six again total for a 3-5 flying death touch. Uh, when Dragonlord Silumgar enters the battlefield, gain control of target creature or planeswalker for as long as you control Dragonlord Silumgar. It's pretty powerful. Do we have anything that does both, like, I guess there's gain control. steal tr- either? I think there's gain, gain control of target permanent, actually. Permanent, yeah. But yeah, this is... This is one of those things we know is very powerful, especially if you have like a sack outlet. Oh yeah. So you can steal something, sack it, flicker, Silumgar, steal something else. This could be like endlessly stealing your opponent's stuff. Yeah. You could also just steal a planeswalker, use their ability. Like yeah, grab they're a, about grab to an Elspeth and yeah, about to ultimate, you play Dragonlord. Oof. Steal it, ultimate, yeah. get the ultimate. That's pretty brutal. That's pretty brutal, yeah. Um yeah. I think this is the one of the Elder Dragons that's that's the most playable in our format. Yeah. You could build a deck around it. And you can do some pretty broken stuff. Seems I still might good. not build a deck around this. I feel like I would just slot them into a deck. You could. Yeah, yeah. That's probably better for most decks. And but I'm just saying you like could build a deck around I mean, he's great be... in Marchesa. Oh, yeah. Oh, because, yes. um, or Marquesa. There's a little bit of a controversy with five commanders yeah. over how you pronounce it. If anyone it. knows how exactly to say her name correctly. Please, post in the comment section because we had a little, uh, a little discussion about how. Because they say Marquesa. We say Marchesa. Marchesa, Marchesa. Marchesa. Marquesa. 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 With an accent. Their point was that it's Italian-like world, and so it should be pronounced as if it was Italian. I don't know. Wizards clearly doesn't know because they don't know how to pronounce Inoch. Oh, they fixed it, though, right? They errated it. Yeah, but they didn't know originally. I want there to be, you know, because they send pronunciation guides to all the people that do commentating stuff. I I want that, too. Shouldn't that be made public? Yeah, we should just ask that. Marshall for it, it just every ask time. Him, yeah. <laughs> I think he's the one that puts it together, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he asks them, and then he, he compiles it. Anyway, uh, Dragonlord Silumgar, it's the best one. I still don't think it's an A-plus general. It's like a B. It's yeah. like you could build a good deck around it, but you're probably better off using uh, you know, one of the other good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, the next one is Dragonlord Colagon. <laughs> He's not good. <laughs> Colagon is four and Rakdos, so four, a black, and a red. Six mana total for an Elder Dragon, six, five. Flying in haste. Other creatures you control have haste. That's good. That's, That's good in Commander. Yeah, sounded good so far. Then whenever an opponent casts a creature or planeswalker spell with the same name as a card in his or her graveyard, Just that talking. player loses 10 life. Yeah, okay. that's it. So that yeah. can't happen in our format. Yeah. <laughs> so here's my... This is another reason I'm mad. You made an Elder Dragon. That can't be played in EDH. There's a format called Elder Dragon Highlander. <laughs> you made an Elder Dragon that's literally worthless in EDH. The <laughs> format that's named after Elder Dragons. <laughs> but think about how good it is in Standard. I'm sorry. I'm a little <laughs> bit mad. I'm a little bit mad about that. Who yeah. cares about Standard? If you're worried about Standard, don't name it Elder Dragon. It's true. Ugh. There's the salt. There's the umbrage. Me, I'm just like... Oh. I'm done talking about this guy. I'm so mad. Let's move on to the next guy. <laughs> okay, it's fine. Dragonlord Atarka. I'm trying to, like, in the back of my head, think of some weird nope, way I'm, that you can Don't mention his name spell. to me again. He's dead to me. Colagon the Storm's don't, Fury? Don't! You just mentioned his no, name! No, I talked about the Fate Force version. Nope. Uh, all right. Dragonlord Atarka, the final uh, Dragonlord that we have. Uh, five, a red, and a green. So it's seven total for an 8-8. Eight, eight. Whoa. 
Big guy. Big guy. Flying well, he trample. He was big before. Remember, we had double striking. Stuff it's like true, that. Yeah. yeah. When Dragalore the target enters the battlefield, it deals five damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures and or planeswalkers your opponents control. So not players, but planeswalkers specifically. And creatures. And creatures, he yeah. He like, I don't know, Pyrotechnics only does four, huh? Yeah. So he does a free, better version of Pyrotechnics every time he You get deals. an 8 Flying Trample, too. Yeah, every time he enters the battlefield. This is actually relevant. Uh, you would play this in the deck because 5 damage divided amongst, like, an Oracle of Moldiah yeah. and a Fate Stitcher is, like, that's useful. You can merc, like, four things if you're lucky. And if you can flicker them and you're just literally, like, gunning down dudes. Yeah. You know, that's a lot of damage. It's pretty similar to just exile a creature and it can, or destroy a creature. Yeah. And it can be better. It can destroy two creatures. It's mm-hmm. not exile. Oh, sorry, that miss. Don't forget the exile part. Okay, I'm still a little <laughs> bit. I'm still a little bit off my game because yeah. of the whole. Maybe we should just move on past uh, these. Uh, uh, Atarka, things. fine. He's fine. He's you again. I don't know that you'd ever build a deck with him at the helm. Yeah, especially when you can just run Xenagos and put Atarka in it. Yeah, and then just straight up destroy people. Yeah, for by attacking for sixteen in the air, and then five on top of that to get rid of any blockers. Yeah, so that's that's what you should do. Put him in yeah. Xenagos. So. I think Silumgar's the only one. Silumgar's the best. Atarka is... Ojutai, maybe in a very Voltrani vigilancy deck. Yeah. So it goes... I think the order goes Silumgar, and then Atarka, Ojutai, Dramoka, and then that last one. That we can't say his name. We can't say I his dis- name anymore. I disagree slightly. I say Silumgar, Ojutai, then Atarka, then Dramoka, and then the I can last see Ojutai can because burn, he has hex-proof. You're right. Burn in lightning hell. Yeah, <laughs> he has. He is. If you look at the yeah, art, actually, that's, he deserves it. <laughs> oh, one last flavor note: if you look closely at Dragonlord Silumgar's uh, art, oh yeah, this is cool. He, he's got someone hanging from his neck as a necklace, and that would be Tassiger, our good friend Tassiger. Poor Tassiger. Yeah, he used to run this town, and and now he's just somebody's necklace. <laughs> they should have had an artifact that's like Tassiger amulet, Tassiger medallion. Tessigar Medallion. It did something. Yeah, yeah. That should be a maybe that'll be it's in just a, like a really unhappy. That's gonna be in Battle of Zendikar, I'm pretty sure. I'm like ninety five percent sure that's gonna I'm happen. pretty I'm pretty I'm pretty happy about that. Oh yeah, right. That was the other set we didn't mention. Battle of Four of Zendikar. Yeah, that which is the new Well, we don't set. know anything about it. We don't know the anything name. about it. Uh hopefully I, for my like inner love these cards sake hope they do full art lands that's the thing i'm most excited about is yeah. please full art lands yeah come on just give me a chance to open one in the pack so i can first Plus, pick i'm it. pretty sure they'll be eldrazi <laughs> that's why they spoiled emrakul yeah um at, in modern masters 2 is because they're gonna get us excited about eldrazi again and there's gonna be huge eldrazi how could you not be excited about eldrazi? no i love rise yeah, of the eldrazi right? is like my favorite draft set of all time yeah. uh no i'm very stoked about it so yeah me too all right so there's another cycle in uh dragons of tarkir it's the command cycle, so like it's the command of, zone, <laughs> like the, like the command, like cryptic command, more like cryptic command. Oh, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. that's so, pretty good too. That's yeah, I would say it's, it's decent. So there's a, a a command for each of the elder dragons, and it works like the cryptic commands, the um, austere commands, you yep. know. From so each of them has four things it can do, and you get to choose two of the four when you cast it. That's pretty good. Yeah, so uh, I'll read the first one. It's Dramoka's command. Potentially the best one. Yep. It's a green and a white, so two mana total for an instant. It says, choose two. Prevent all damage. Target instant or sorcery spell would deal this turn. Target player sacrifices an enchantment. Put a 1-1 counter on target creature. Target creature you control fights target creature you don't control. So you get to choose two of these. Um, one thing I really like is the target player sacrifices an enchantment. Yeah. It's an answer to God's. Because indestructibility is a real problem. Yep. 
but a lot of the god decks only have one enchantment on the table at all times or if they're about to cast another one you just cast this and they have to sacrifice their enchantment so it's a way to not permanently deal with but get rid of a, a god as a commander yeah um this also stops a like burn to the face spell that yep. can kill everyone a big burn to the face big spell burn, yeah. doesn't hit you um yeah, Go ahead. I was just gonna say, or even one that just gets rid of your favorite creatures because it does like yeah, six exactly. damage divided exactly. or whatever. Yeah, and an instant speed f- creature fights another creature can be like a save you from some sort of effect. It's a removal spell. Yeah, it's a removal spell. It's just um, conditional. You need a, re- a creature on the table, and it's not just a removal spell. My favorite versions of these cards are instant speed because the big thing you do is like so and so. I'm going to target this with this giant growth. Yeah, like nope. I'm going to remove it, and it fizzles. Yep. So you lost two cards, and I only lost one. Yep. So those are my favorite versions of that. Yeah, uh, this I think card this is card good. is very good. Yeah, th- again, because it's a modal card, you, it, the flexibility is what really takes these cards to the next level. Yeah, because it's just like in so many situations, it's going to be useful. Yeah. You're going to need at least one of these things. And in fact, if only one of these applies, and you're just like, well, I'll just also put a one-month counter on a guy, that's great. That's great, yeah. yeah it's As long as one thing applies, so that is, it's very good. Yeah, I think you'll find yourself surprised with all of these commands how many times you'll have it in your hand and go, oh, wow, the, like I can do like three different combinations, all of which are very effective at this one point. Totally. Um, the next card up is Ojutai's command. Uh, again, so it's an Elder Dragon. And this is uh, the inf- the infamous, looks like everyone's taking a selfie. Uh, <laughs> is this is the selfie art. Yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> He's got a selfie stick. I mean, come yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> it's two uh, white and a blue for an instant. Choose two. One. Uh, return target creature card with converted mana cost two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, or you gain four life, or counter target creature spell, or draw a card. So you get two of those. Yeah. I mean, 90% of the time, we're going to counter target creature spell and draw a card, right? Yeah. Which is awesome. Actually, I'd say a lot of the time you could do the return the creature card with the convert man cost two or less from your graveyard, because it could be a super utility creature. Sarah Ascendant. And then draw a card. Or you might Sarah Ascendant and counter your creature spell. Right. Yeah. That's amazing, too. Like, someone's like, all right, I'm going to play this creature, and you're like, I counter it, return this guy, and now I have a blocker as well that can stop you from playing Yeah, or, or now I just have a dude, and you don't, because you tried to cast Avacyn for eight yeah. mana, and you get fringe, nothing. Fringe case, you're at 26 life. Sarah Ascendant, you gain four life. It's That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to just go up to 30 so that my Sarah Ascendant's a 6-6. Six, six. Thank like, you. Perfect. Uh, this card is very strong. It's It might be the best one or the second best. It's it's up there. Yeah. Just draw a card so great. It's always going to be usable for draw a card, and so yeah. if you can use any of the other ones, and they're always going to have creature spells to counter. Yeah, it's a little more expensive than the other one. Yeah. I mean, I think what Dramoka's Command has is it's just two mana. Well, you <laughs> play Cryptic Command quite a bit. How often do you counter a spell and draw a card? Almost always. Yeah. It's that or tap the creature. And that costs down. four mana. Yeah. And in some ways, this is easier to cast. It's not three blue. It's, it's true. two, very a blue, true. and a white. So it's very often the exact same as Cryptic Command, which is an amazing card, one of the best cards ever made. Yeah. If you guys pop a foil of any of these, these will be worth a lot because these are all so good in so many different formats. And they'll, I'm sure they're going to pop up everywhere here and there just when someone needs, like, oh man, this is dominating the meta. If only I had something that could do this, sacrifice an enchantment and something else just in case, you know, yep. I need the main board. Versatility is so useful. Yeah. All right. Uh, the next one is Silimgar's Command. That's three, a blue, and a black. That's five total. We're getting expensive. Yeah, For an instant, expensive. says choose two, counter target non-creature spell. Okay. Or return target permanent to its owner's hand. Nice. Or target creature gets negative three, negative three until end of turn. Or destroy target planeswalker. This is Ooh, good, too. Diddly. This is really good. This is good. The non-creature spell is very strong. You could actually counter a planeswalker and kill another one. Yep. <laughs> Against super friends is great. Or just counter yeah. their wrath. Yeah. You know? 
return target permanent to its owner's hand. The fact that it's target permanent is really great. So yeah. on like your end step, you can just bounce something that that is going to be you know is getting in your way. So yeah. You can do something else. That's a type of effect that you just really don't want to play a card that does that because it feels like a small effect. Like if a card just read, you know, two blue return target permanent to its owner's hand, that that does exist. It's like boomerang or something. Yeah, you don't want to play it because yeah, because just uh, it's just not strong enough. But you do often want that effect. You just don't want to waste a whole card on it. Well, this allows you to waste half a card on it. Yep. And another interesting thing is if someone's like. Instead of countering a non-creature spell, someone's like, I'm going to Heroes Downfall your creature. You could bounce that creature yep. as an enter battlefield effect and then do something else. Yep. You know, or you, you could even counter to... their non-creature spell and then also destroy a Planeswalker. Yeah, exactly. And also... The... But if you want that, like if it's like an Eternal Witness or something, be like, yeah. sure, I'll bounce that I'll bounce and play yeah, it again. No problem, yeah. And then the, the third ability, which is target creature gets negative three, negative three until end of turn, I think is actually more very powerful in EDH because yep. indestructible creatures... Oh, right, right. So anything that's got three toughness that they make indestructible somehow, you can get rid of it still. So this is just sort of a... It's a very versatile card. I think this is very strong. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's five hard mana. to rank all these, that's for sure. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. It's five mana. That's what yeah. sort of knocks it down below, I think, the other two. But as far as, like, is it totally usable? Can you often think of scenarios where you can use two of the abilities to maximum effect yes oh, yeah. definitely and here's the thing it's like if you're not going to counter a spell because you're waiting for someone else to do it this gives you enough options to just do stuff that you control that you yeah. don't have to always just be trying to counter something especially if you're going to be holding up five mana to counter something it's gonna i mean you're you're playing blue black so you're probably gonna be control ish in a little bit so you know it, it's a little give and take uh i guess i will read this next one because I, I won't uh, i refuse to say the name this is blank's command aka it starts with a K. I'm going to cover my ears. Rhymes with Schmoligan. <laughs> or Mulligan. It just rhymes with Mulligan. I don't even need to say, say Schmoligan. K Mulligan's command? It's K Mulligan's command. Uh, one, a black and red for an instant. So this is nice and cheap. It's Colagon, by the way, just Coligan. so we're not confusing anyone. <laughs> I will never say it again. That was the last time that ever. That was the last time ever. Uh, choose two. Uh, one is return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Or target player discards a card. Or destroy target artifact. Or... Coligan's command deals two damage to target creature or player. Not as strong. Cheaper. Once again, K Mulligan is just—he's <laughs> lagging behind. Josh would like a Mulligan on this card and on the this card, Elder Dragon yeah, as well. Mostly the Elder Dragon. <laughs> this card, whatever. Um, I think the discarding a card isn't very relevant here. Destroying target artifact is nice, and then also putting a creature back to your hand is nice mm-hmm. as well. But the two th- damage is again just usually not relevant in our format. Yeah, unless you, I mean, it's just, it's one for one removal on something that is small enough to, to be killed by it. So it's not that. I mean, once in a while it's going to do something, but there's going to be plenty of times where you're just looking around going, well, I, I can't kill any creature and two damage to the person's yeah. face doesn't do anything. So Whereas with the other commands, at least three out of the four were pretty relevant. I think two out of the four on this one are going to be the most useful, unless you have a deck that really takes advantage of the other parts of the card. Yeah, I think this is easily the worst of the bunch. Yeah. Uh, the last one is Atarka's command. This one is just a red and a green, so only two. For an instant, your opponents can't gain life this turn. Or, Atarka's Command deals three damage to each opponent. Or, you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. Hmm. That's a cool one. Or, creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and gain reach until end of turn. This is an interesting one. Um, This is so situational. The put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield at instant speed, I'm not sure... I can't think off the top of my head if any other card does that. Let's yeah. you put something at instant speed, a uh, land card at instant speed, like mid-combat, 
like think of like glacial chasm. Mm-hmm. Like if I have glacial chasm in this, they go to attack me. I can put it into play at instant speed and negate all damage. Oh, that's right. So you could do some sort of kiki jiki infinite combo. Think you're going to kill me and like do no. Yeah, you know that's that's interesting. And there's probably other lands like, without naming every land that's ever existed. Mm-hmm. That seems like a an effect that is very unique. It's also kind of like a. Uh... By the way, the land is not coming tapped, so that's important. Because mm-hmm. um, you could do this on end It's just step. ramp. Yeah, it's just ramp. Yep. You could do this as basic ramp, um, or you can sort of use the other abilities. I think a lot of the other ones are very reactive, so it's kind of hard. Like, your opponents can't gain life. This turn is... You're just waiting for one person to be like, I gain infinite life. Mm-hmm. And be like, no, you can't. Mm-hmm. Um, the, yeah, the 1-1 one, one in reach. I mean, you don't have to use it defensively. It feels defensive because of the reach, but you yeah. could just pump all your dudes. By 1-1, one, one, If yeah. you're playing a... A token deck or something. Yeah. An instant speed card that has options that you more likely will do on your turn as opposed to having the flexibility to do it at any point takes it down a notch. Yeah. So this isn't my favorite command out of all of them either. And dealing three damage to each opponent feels, again, pretty minor. Yeah. Like, it usually if all your opponents are like... that'd be nuts, but... Yeah. If all your opponents are at or around, like, low life, then you're probably winning that game already. Like if yeah. you, if you're, I don't think this card's gonna outright kill anyone anytime soon. Very rarely. Yeah. Yeah. It, so, I'd say this is the second worst of yep. the bunch. Um, yeah. I I say the top is either Dramoka's Command or Ojutai's. Yeah. And then Silmgar's is third. Yep. Yeah. They're they're very good though. They're I mean, very good. Yeah. yeah. I would definitely. Uh, I think these almost all have slots and decks. If you just take a look at at your stuff, and I'm sure you can find good good fits for all of them. Okay, so now we're going to go down through color, and just we're just going to call out some of the uh, cards. We're not going to talk about every single card. We're just going to talk about the ones that we think have some bearing in the format. Now, we might not hit every card that you think works, and, and if we miss one that you are like, no, there's this interaction, I think it's very strong, let us know. Because, again, when people are going to come find this podcast you know, later down the line and mm-hmm. wonder what cards from this set they should look for, we want them to be able to go to the comment section on Rocket Jump and see the full conversation. So yep. please uh, you know, help us out if we're missing something or you think that we misidentified one of these. Um, yeah, definitely. Let's start with blue. Blue. The first one is Blessed Reincarnation. It's three and a blue for an instant. It says, Exile target creature card in opponent controls. That player reveals cards from the top of his or her library until a creature card is revealed. That player puts that card onto the battlefield then shuffles the rest into his or her library, and it has rebound, which means you can cast it again during your upkeep. It's just an instant speed exile in blue. I don't want to get too in depth yeah. in it. Um, you can also, if you don't like what gets popped out, do it again. In your yeah, next you get turn, you get a so. free redo on it. So or, or do it to someone else, which is yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, it's not great in, against a lot of decks. You'll never even want to do it because they're playing a lot of huge creatures. Yeah, but it's just an effect that blue has trouble recreating. So just something to look at if you're in, yeah. in the more budget area of playing EDH. Mm-hmm. Um, then this is definitely playable. Anything that exiles anything is going to be, you know, at least worth a look. Yeah, exactly. Next up, we got Clone Legion. Oh, this one's awesome. <laughs> Seven and two blue, nine total. So guess what? Guess where this is getting played? <laughs> EDH. EDH. Uh, sorcery speed. Uh, for each creature target player controls, put a token onto the battlefield that's a copy of that creature. So Woo. you get somebody's board. Entire board, yeah. <laughs> so you're like, all your creatures, I get one of each of them. Yeah. It could be yourself, too. Yep. Um, this is incredibly powerful uh especially if you can have haste or something this is one of those kill everybody type cards kill everyone type cards sack outlets for mana you know there's lots of things you can do when you have another 20 creatures as expendable um so 
If uh, you're lucky to pull enough to pull this, you're probably going to be putting it in at least one of your decks. It's, yeah. It's, it's very good. I don't see you really doing this in Limited anytime soon, but in Commander, there are some crazy... I mean, like, if you just have a value deck that has just tons of Enter the Battlefield effects, like, Clone Legion is going to get out of control, so... Here's a card I really like. I don't know if it's powerful, but it's Illusory Gains. It's three and two blue. It's an enchantment aura. Enchant creature. You control enchanted creature. But whenever a creature enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, attach Illusory Gains to that creature. I actually like that a lot. So you just get the... Whatever the most recent creature is, it's yours. Yeah, because the funny thing is it's like... If you so let's say you just do it early, right mm-hmm. on turn five, if you're able to just get you know the board's kind of stable, you just take one of the random things. Everything they play from that point out, they can't play their big bomb unless they know they can play something else for you to steal Small afterwards. Afterwards, yeah. yeah. So it's like it's a really weird lockdown where you're always getting like these cool creatures, and the opponent is stuck in this position where they have to <laughs> play crappier cards or just, just be able to, to give sequence to in a way that you don't get to take their cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I don't know how powerful this is, but it'll be really fun. Yeah, so, I agree. So yeah, you know the game's not always just about doing going infinite and killing everybody. Sometimes it's just about doing stuff where people are like, "Wait, what? Yeah, what? <laughs> oh, crap! What do I do about that?" Yeah. yeah. The next is uh, learn from the past. Three in the blue for an instant. Target player shuffles his or her graveyard into his or her library, and you get a draw card. It's the draw card that really puts this into the playable realm. Yep. Because you hate just running straight like Tormod's Crypt or something that's just like gets rid of their graveyard. That's it. That's it, yeah. Because that sucks when it, the graveyard doesn't matter. This, at least, if it doesn't matter, you just replaces itself, draw cards. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah very nice. Um, the next one is Living Lore. This is three and a blue. It's like your walking archive. It's it, like the it's reincarnation. A, yeah, it is. Oh, it totally looks like it. Yeah. It, it's not quite as cool. It's three <laughs> and a blue for a legendary creature. It's a star star. As living... That's it's its a power star. and toughness. Its power and toughness is yet to be determined, basically. Yeah. As Living Lore enters the battlefield, exile an instant or sorcery card from your graveyard. Living Lore's power and toughness are each equal to the exiled card's converted mana cost. So if you exile, let's Clone just say... Clone yep, Legion. If you exile Clone Legion, then it's a 9-9. And then, whenever Living Lore deals combat damage, you may sacrifice it. That's not to a player, just deals combat damage. Yep. If you do, you may cast the exiled card without paying its mana cost. So what if, if you've been listening to this show for very long, you know there's something that's extremely powerful that we always call out, and it's cheating mana cost. Yep. So let's just say, I don't know, Clone Legion was in there. <laughs> so now you get to ca- cast it on turn five. And you get a 9-9, nine nine too. You know, 12, like, yeah. You oh get a 9-9 nine nine in the meantime, you attack with it. And if they block or they don't, unless they can kill it without it dealing damage, you're going to get to cast that card for free. Yeah. You also get stuff like Enter the Infinite, um... Tooth and Nail. Temporal Mastery. Tooth and Nail. Um, just anything that costs a ton. Living Lore. The nice thing is, like, you don't even need to... Ha- it just needs to be in your graveyard. And yep. you can get there any number of ways. Yep. So it's, it's... This is a very good card. Yeah. I, and yeah. there are definitely lots of crazy combos for this guy. I'm sure... It goes right in the Jaleva deck. Or oh, Hell of yeah. a... Sorry. Hell, hell of a Hell of a, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a hell of a card for a hell it's of a deck. a hell of a card. Yeah, it's an avatar. It's a, it's a star. <laughs> uh, Mirror Mockery is up next. One in the blue for an enchantment aura. Enchant creature. Whenever enchanted creatures attacks, you may put the token on the battlefield. That's a copy of that creature. Exile that token at the end of combat. This is a interesting card. It's very uh, Splinter Twinny. Yeah, and it's two mana. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Um, for doing a, a really powerful effect, uh, especially in EDH when it's just asking to get broken with something silly. Yeah, nothing comes to mind off the top of my head, but we know this type of effect is very, very powerful. So just this is a card to look at. It just creates free copies of stuff. I mean, yeah. there's a very powerful modern deck. 
based on this effect. Um, it's a little obviously a little different here, but I think you can use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next card is Profaner of the Dead. This guy's a house. Profaner of the Dead is three and a blue for a 3-3 three, three Naga Wizard. Has exploit, which means you can sacrifice a creature when this creature enters the battlefield. When Profaner of the Dead exploits a creature, return to their owner's hands all creatures your opponents control with toughness less than the exploited creature's toughness. So it freaking Cyclonic Rifts their creatures. Yeah. It's just, it's all based on the toughness of the creature. Just have a wall out there, like one of those zero eights or something. This seems really powerful because you can just leave them with no board and then you can flicker it and maybe do it again. Yep. The loss of tempo can be so dramatic because it doesn't do it to your stuff. Yeah. This this card, take a look at this card. If you can break this card and use it every turn, this is like... Deadeye Navigator. Uh, <laughs> in, Mar- in Marquesa, Marchesa. Yep, because you're always going to be sacking creatures anyway. And you get them back. Yep. And then you sack the Profaner and another creature. They both come back in the end step. They have 1-1 one, one tokens. And then you sack another dude. Oh, and just, I know, Josh. You can continuously Cyclonic Rift everybody. It's making its way in. Oh, yeah. I'm excited <laughs> about this card. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Silumgar Sorcerer. Um, and this is just a fringe playable, but I liked it because it does a I couple of totally things. I think it's totally playable. Yeah, it's one and two blue for a 2-1 flash flying, and it has exploit. It's got a lot of text. Uh, and when Silumgar Sorcerer exploits a creature, counter target creature spells. So you can essentially counter uh, a creature for three mana. It's a three mana counter. And it, it leaves you with a 2-1, dude. leaves you with a 2-1. And it also, uh, if it is something like uh, a, you know, like, Someone's trying to steal your guy. Or tuck. Or tuck your guy some random way. Because you can't... One of the nice things is always having a sack outlet out because you want to protect your cards from someone stealing them. Specifically them your general. Yeah, so this is nice because you can just exploit the most important card that's being targeted or whatever. Um, so for three mana, it's got a lot of upside. It becomes a creature. You can counter a target creature spell. And you can get rid of something that someone else is trying to take. I mean, of course, if they're trying to tuck your general and you flash this guy in and exploit, you can just counter the spell that's... Uh, yeah. That's trying to tuck your general, also. It's true. Yeah, but still, this is a very powerful card, and it's well, very... only if it's a creature spell, you can counter it with this guy. Oh, it's only a creature spell. Wow, I didn't even read that. Yeah, part. so it's a little more limited. Um, oh, interesting. Okay, it's All interesting. Right. All right, cool. Yeah, you um, can exploit and not do the effect too. Correct. So you could just, as a flash instant speed sacrifice outlet, which we've said many times on the show, just having a sack outlet oftentimes uh, is very good in EDH. So yeah, exactly. Uh, the next one is Skywise Teachings. This is a cool one. Three and a blue for an enchantment. It says whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you may pay one and a blue. If you do, put a 2-2 two, two, uh, Jin monk creature token with flying onto the battlefield. So every time you cast something that's not a creature, if you pay two extra mana, you get a 2-2 two, two flyer. Yep. Sounds like Tauron's new best friend. It sounds very good. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I don't like that Tauron deck already. And it just, this is just another card for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just going to slot into certain decks that aren't playing a lot. Of, very controlly decks. Yeah, that, that are holding a lot of mana up. And, and a lot of counter their, spells. And want to use their mana more efficiently. They're like, oh, I can only counter two things this turn. I have six mana. It's like, now Skywise Teaching gives you four 2-2 two, two blue Jin monks or whatever. You know? uh, damn you, Craig. Yeah. Uh, next up, and the last blue card is Stratus Dancer, which is a our first Megamorph card. So you can morph him for three and Megamorph him for two. He's a 2-1 with flying. But when he's turned face up, you counter target instant or sorcery spell. And the reason I really like this guy is because uh, playing a spell to counter another one means that that spell can be countered. If you're flipping up a morph card to counter a spell, it's you can't v- counter you my can't, yeah. yeah. Can't, you can't counter can't my counter. It. Yeah, it's expensive because it'll cost you five mana total. But having it just sit on the board by turn like six, no one's looking at your little morph sitting there, and you can just counter a board wipe or whatever. It's pretty true. Nice. True. Yep. 
Especially because it's a counter for two man, And then it's a 3-2 flyer. Mm-hmm. So that it's going to hit smash somebody a couple of times. That's right. Probably. It Mega Morphs out. I'm always surprised by how like a random 3-2 flyer just like ends up doing like 18 damage. Because <laughs> everyone's like, I'm not worried about that thing. And then you're like, fine, hit you with it. Yeah, exactly. I'm still not worried. Hit you with it. And by the time they're like, crap, I'm at 21? Yep. What happened? Because you didn't deal with the 3-2 flyer, man. <laughs> All right, moving on to black. Yes. Uh, there are so many good cards in this set for Marchesa specifically. It's yeah. making me very happy. Um, <laughs> me too, because I just retuned my uh, Marchesa deck. That's Marchesa? right. I don't know. I'm excited to see what, what happens there too. Um, the first one is Ambuscade Shaman. Did I mean, is that like Ambuscade? Is that like ambush and something Cascade? else? Cascade? Did they just make that word up? Is that a real word? Ambuscade? I don't know. It's it's definitely a weird one. Maybe it's ambulance and cascade. <laughs> <laughs> ambulance, cascading, shaman. That All can right. dash in because he needs to get there fast. When you play him, you have to make the ambulance siren noise. Wee, 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 wee. Yeah, don't do that, actually. Okay. Yeah. He's two and a black for an orc shaman. He's a 2-2. Two, two. Whenever ambuscade shaman or another <laughs> creature enters the battlefield under your control, that, con- that creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. And it has dash for three and a black. Mostly we're interested in the plus two, plus two ability. Yeah. Yeah. It reminded me of Ogre Battle Driver. But this time it's plus two, plus two. Yeah, it doesn't give haste. But if you give haste with something else, this is just the type of effect that's powerful with tokens. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So very good utility creature all Mm -hmm. around. Uh, Damnable Pact is our next one. X and black, black. So sorcery target player draws X cards and loses X life. This is just Marchesa for me. You need to put yourself in dethrone position. Yeah, true. You need to just get rid of some life and draw at the same time. Sure. Yeah. It could go in Nekusar because you pointed at somebody else. Oh, right. And then it just does like <laughs> quadruple damage. Yeah, that's insane. I didn't even yeah. think about that. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a playable card. Oh, this next one. Oh, yes. Deathbringer Regent. Five and two Jeez. black, so seven total for a five six flying ja- dragon. <laughs> when Deathbringer Regent enters the battlefield, if you cast it from your hand and there are five or more other creatures on the battlefield, destroy all other creatures. Yeah, that's going to happen. That's a one-sided board wipe, leaving you with a 5-6 flyer and everybody else with nothing. Yeah. It's it's very good. Even if you lost Deathbringer Regent, it's still a board wipe. You'd still play 7 for a board wipe if you had to. Yeah, exactly. But I like a board wipe that leaves me with a 5-6 flyer when it's all done. Yeah, it's pretty good. And it's a dragon as well, so it it slots into a lot of uh, other good decks that has is This could potentially be really brutal in, uh, in Limited. Yeah. If you board stall out and then play that, you're just going to win, right? It's well, like that's Doom what Blast. I did it's with Doom Blast. Yeah, this guy feels like the evolution of uh, the other guy that, um, what's the guy that forces it? you to choose two creatures and sack the rest? Oh, yeah. the uh, this is, What the heck's that guy's name? He's the de- de- Archfiend of Depravity. 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 Yeah. Uh, AKA Archfiend of Reimbursement on Modo because everyone clicks wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, this feels kind of like the evolution of that. And it's like, yeah, board stall. Play the play the board out until you're like, everyone's all nice and happy. Here Boom. comes. Boom. Here comes the regent. Um, in one of my favorite games of Limited, I had the. Uh, the Libidibidibidu guy, Archfiend of Depravity, uh, he was manifested, and I just waited until like there were 10 creatures on my opponent's side. <laughs> you flipped it up on it before his end step, and he was just like, oh. Was it snap concede? Uh, no, huh. but it was a snap win in, like, <laughs> after that. So. <laughs> he should have snap conceded. Yeah, it worked very well. Um, next up, we have Grave Purge. Uh, this is a reprint, I believe. Um, this is a typically just a very powerful card. I like it. It's two in the black for an instant. Put any number of target creature cards from your graveyard on top of your library. Draw a card. So it's basically draw one creature out of your library and then put a whole bunch on top of your library, yeah. right? It, or one 
creature out of your graveyard to your hand and then yeah, yeah and as many as you want on top of your library now you have to be careful you don't just stack all your creatures on top because you might actually not want to just be drawing those but you could be like well turns. i want to draw these guys in the next three yeah and then you can just stack that mm-hmm. also it's um one of those stack the top of your library cards that if you have another card that cheats something like that yeah you know that cheats something off the top of your library into play Oh, that's right. You can use that. That's similar to brainstorm. Yeah. Um, So, and we have a lot of things in our format that do that are like you know flip cards off the top of your library until you flip a creature card and then put it directly into play. Well, if you stack your deck so that that's like something huge and scary, then I'm just gonna grab Mold Drifter so I can draw the cards as well. (laughs) How's that sound? I like that. Yeah. There you go. All right. The next one is Hedonist Trove. Oh, this is great. This is um, pretty cool. It's five (laughs) and two black for an enchantment. It says, whenever Hedonist Trove enters the battlefield, exile all cards from target opponent's graveyard. You may play land cards exiled with Hedonist Trove. Also, you may cast non-land cards exiled with Hedonist Trove. You can cast more than one... You, you can't, can't cast. cast more than one spell this way each turn. So, uh, what? <laughs> it's this pretty crazy. Now, remember, there is a downside in that you can't produce mana of a color that's not of your general's right. color identity. So they will have to share at least some colors with you right, right, for this right. to work. But A, it exiles graveyards. Yep. Stuff that we don't do enough. You don't put enough cards in your deck. I know all of you listening right now, you don't have enough graveyards right in your, in your deck. I promise. Yeah, and you need it. Because... And you need it. But you don't want to just put graveyard hate only cards in. So this card yep. also lets you play land cards oh, gosh. that you exiled. And it lets you play some of the cards that you share a color with. Yeah, this is definitely going into a five-color deck. Yeah, or even a, most three-color decks. Yeah, most three-color decks. You'll just, you know, you'll both have red, and yeah. so you'll get to play the red cards out Here's of there. Here's the thing. Like, we, fetch lands are back. You could yeah. grab fetch lands and grab something probably on color with the fetch lands. Or you just play, like, even if they don't share a color with you, you play the land, and it just taps for colorless for you, but it's just free right. land still that you're getting that you wouldn't have otherwise drawn, right? Right, right. This card is seems really good to me. Yeah. It's seven mana. That's a downside for sure. But, man, if you're playing against a Sadisi deck or, like, a... I don't know, a Mimeoplasm deck or just all these decks that play with their graveyard. What about just... your Titania deck? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, this is this is just very good. Very good, indeed. Next up, we have Risen Executioner. Two and two black for a 4-3 zombie warrior. Risen Executioner can't block. He's a lord. Other zombie creatures you control get plus one, plus one. And uh, you may cast Risen Executioner from your graveyard if you pay one colorless more to cast it for each other creature card in your graveyard. Not as pertinent. It's nice. I He's mean, early on, if early he dies on, sure. and you've only got one other creature there in there, then he just costs one more mana. Yeah, Later in an EDH game, when you have 15 creatures in there, yeah. yeah. I could see him being good in the Delve deck. Yeah. Because uh, you can just always, you know, it's it's nice to have a recurring guy that pumps all your zombies up. So Zombie Tribal, you've got a new best friend with this yeah, guy. Yeah, even if you're never going to recast him using his uh, his uh, text, Yeah, he's still good. He still pumps all your dudes, so... Yep. So, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, the next one is Sibsig Icebreakers. It's two and a black for a zombie 2-3. When Sibsig Icebreakers enters the battlefield, each player discards a card. So, this is Liliana's uh, ability, Tacton, which is yeah. just a very strong ability. Because you're in black, you want your cards in the graveyard, and presumably your opponents do not. So and I just let, flicker. And you if you flicker, flicker it, flicker, you yeah. can... Yeah, if you find a way to, like do this multiple times you can be in this position where like everyone's hands are just decimated and you're fine because you like cards in your graveyard yep all right that does it for black uh black had some good showings here uh mostly in sultai stuff uh, that is just nuts uh our first card for black or white sorry is fate forgotten two and a white for an instant exile target artifact or enchantment 
And like we've said, you've got cards like Gods running around. You've got cards like Darksteel Plate. You've got all sorts of crazy artifacts and enchantments out there. This lets you get both at instant speed. It's just a good card to, you know, have if you if, if your meta calls for it. And the gods are just very hard to deal with, and so it's just yeah. turning out to be like, we just need more and more things to deal with them. And is this, I mean, this does enchantment or artifact, yeah. so it's like even if you don't run into a god, you're always going to be able to use it. Yeah, you're almost always going to be able to use it. Uh, they're guaranteed, it's it's commander. There are some going to be some crazy enchantments yeah. out that make a person's deck go off. And I mean, I just think... getting rid of that is more than worth the one-to-one because they could be going infinite. You know? Exactly. I think you're fine to run disenchant in your decks. Like, it's totally a fine card to run. Yeah. And that just destroys an artifact or enchantment. This exiles an artifact or enchantment, so it's just an it's just an immediate upgrade over that. Yep, definitely. Uh, the next one is called Grace Blade Artisan. Is that a lightsaber? It looks like a lightsaber, That's a which lightsaber. is the, mostly the reason I wanted to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a two and a white. That was my lightsaber <laughs> noise, by the way. I'll do the lightsaber. <laughs> we just missed our calling. We should be like fully sound effects artists. Yeah, for sure. <sighs> No, that's not true. That's impossible. That's impossible. All right. <laughs> Talk about tangent. All right. It's two and a white for a two, three human monk. Graceblade Artisan gets plus two, plus two for each aura attached to it. This and is just a call out. each lightsaber attached to it. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. <laughs> this is just a call out to our buddy, the Reverend in Fuego in yeah. a Shu Yun deck that had a million uh, auras. Yeah, this is similar to Core Dancer. There's a Core guy that, yeah. that really likes Spirit Dancer that also Rev, likes auras. Go ahead and put this in there. Yeah. You have our support. Our thumbs up. Uh, next up, we got Ojutai Exemplars. Oh, boy, this is... This is getting a lot of press. This is getting a lot of press for good reason, because this is a card that can make it all, all the way around. It's two and two white, four total for a 4-4 four, four creature human monk. Already passes the vanilla test. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, choose one. Tap target creature. Or Ojutai Exemplars gains first strike and lifelink until end of turn. Or exile Ojutai Exemplars, then return to the battlefield tapped under its owner's control. So you can flicker it, essentially. You can save it from someone else trying to single-handedly target it and kill it with Or you can do any, cool stuff like yeah. block and then flicker it just to, you know, so that it doesn't die. Or yep. you can, you know, trigger perforos type effects whenever a creature enters the battlefield type yeah. effects. Or it's just very versatile. It's one of those cards, man. It's got, it's modal. It's got three things on it. Yeah, and I think this is actually a very well-balanced card too because all the abilities are nice, but none of them are necessarily game-breaking, um, especially in Commander. Like First Strike and Lifelink is, yeah, you know, it's good, but it's not. Right. Killer. Um, I think this is just a super solid all-around card. It has a lot of cool utility. Um, in a deck that's tricky, that's already playing a lot of non-creature spells, just being able to tap creatures down and stuff is super helpful. So. Yeah, you might just tap a dude just so he doesn't attack you, like, you know, and draw and cast a draw spell or something. Yeah, this could be as good yeah. as a Maze of Ith, or, you know. Yeah. It's, not in, it's not for every deck, but it does so many different things that I think it's going to be useful. Yeah, I agree. Uh, next, we have Profound Journey. It's five and two white for a sorcery. It says return target permanent card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Ayo. And then it has rebound. So you get to do it again for free during the next upkeep. Yeah. Make some big dudes happen to the battlefield for seven mana. And then you get to do it again. And then they're like, okay, fine, kill that thing. And you're like, 
I'll just bring it back the next turn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's target permanent, so that's great. The versatility there is it can get. Yeah, you can get planeswalkers, enchantments, enchantments. artifacts. Yeah, it's. it's I always find having a couple of these effects in every deck is also very useful, um, especially if it's target permanent in this case, because stuff is going to get destroyed, and sometimes that stuff is key to you winning after the board is gone somewhere crazy. So yeah, really good point because we're in a singleton format. Yeah, sometimes there's those cards in your deck that you just can't replace. Yeah, and so you're it's very scary when they die because it's like well. My whole deck needs an effect like that, and I only have a couple of them, so it's great to be able to bring them back. Yep. Uh, specifically, like, doubling season in the Planeswalker deck. Like, you, like my deck does not work without yeah. that card. So you it's need just, to be able to get it. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that this can get other stuff is better than just return target enchantment or something. Uh-huh. So, you you know, its versatility is very good, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next one is... Oh, I read the last one. I'm sorry, Jimmy. Go ahead. No, it's okay. I'm not offended. You, you sound like you might be saying that. But be offended. I'm really offended. <laughs> because this card is Radiant Purge, and it's super cool, yo. I don't know. It's a, wow. It's, it, <laughs> what happened? I don't know. I, I got super stoked all of a sudden. I felt like I should be beatboxing. Um, I was actually thinking, yeah, no, right. <laughs> yo, drop the beat, Radiant Purge. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. Okay, I'm not a good beatboxer. Uh, <laughs> Let's not do that anymore. Uh, this, I keep looking at this card, and all I can think about is how cool the foil would look. Because it's That's awesome. true. The it's art a, is awesome. It's a dragon getting sliced through not by a beam of light. Not necessarily a good discussion for radio, but the it's art true. is sweet. Yeah, it's a one, and it, what if this is Colagon that was getting killed? Then I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm going to assume it is. Yeah, it might be. I, I don't know what all nope, the dragons it's look Colagon. Like. Okay, great. Oh, uh, crap, I said it. <laughs> it's K Mulligan. K Mulligan. Ah, crap. Uh, one in the white for an instant. Exile target multicolored creature or multicolored enchantment. Jeez, where are we going to get multicolored creatures? Yeah, in seriously. Commander? Do most commander decks have that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, it's going to be... Why would I play this? It's going to be junk against monocolored decks. Yeah, I think you're going to have a harder time finding a multicolored enchantment, uh, but there are a lot of those still running out a there. A lot of the gods. Rari's Wake. Oh, that's right. The gods as well. Good call. Yeah. Good call. So I just think this is so useful. Exile is so powerful. Yeah, this um, is a great card, actually, now with yeah, the about the yeah. gods. It's yeah. very like Path to Exile, except for it doesn't give them any upside. So Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I, I like it. Uh, and I like it even more if it's K Mulligan getting getting exiled. You know, I'm gonna look. At no, don't his just art. let me assume that it is. Don't okay, tell sure, me. Okay, sure, sure. Well, whatever you find, don't tell me. I'm okay. just in my mind. It's definitely K Mul. K Mul. K Mul's like. K Mul. He's the douchebag of dragon of elder dragons. <laughs> he's like K Fed. K Fed. He is K-Mol. like K Fed. That's really funny. All right. Um, the next one is secure the wastes. It's very simple. It's. Uh, an instant, it costs white and X. Put X-1-1 white warrior creature tokens onto the battlefield. Putting yep. a bajillion uh, tokens at instant speed on is just, we know, super powerful. This is very good uh, in your token decks, and yeah, especially exactly. if you're doubling them. It's instant. And if you have Cather's Crusade out, and if you have doubling season parallel lives, and all of a sudden Even you're, if like, you're just doing tribal 10 mana and make 97 dudes, and they're yeah. all 80-80s, and they have haste by. That's the kind of stuff this that card does. That is how games usually yeah. end, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's very true. All right, our final uh, white card here would be the Sun Scorch Regent, which is a dragon. He's a big one. He's three and two white, five total for a four-three creature dragon. Wait, four-three? Hold on. Oh, whatever. Yeah, he's flying. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, put a plus one, plus one counter on Sun Scorch Regent, and you gain a life. This is one of those cards I think will be underrated. It doesn't look super powerful. But boy, does it get out of control. Yeah, it's so fast. Like, you know, because you have so many opponents. You might have three or four opponents in a game, and they're all going to want to cast spells on their turn. So yeah. you cast a... One to two spells. A 4-3 flyer for five, and by the time it comes back to you, it's a 7-6 flyer. You gained three life. Yeah. 
I mean, they, it's just a card they either have to deal with or it's it's going to be way more scary than they think. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of a fan of that. Yeah. I like so, that. So I think it can slot into some decks, especially a dragon deck. I mean, if you're uh, going to run five-color dragons, it's great. Yeah. Uh, Josh, good news. I'm pretty sure it is K-Mulligan. Yes! I don't Eat think, it, K-Mull! <laughs> Eat it! Eat that radiant purge! I don't think any other of the guys have uh, that that like crazy little fin thing and four wings, oh, so man. I think it's definitely K-Mull. So. Yeah. Wizards, you... Not totally, but at least slightly redeemed yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, now we're going to move on to red. Yeah, red. My color. And also the one that we have the most uh, Reddit uh, contributions for crazy combos, because there's quite a lot. Because they love you, Jimmy the Red. They, they do. just love you, man. Thanks, guys. I knew you knew it. I knew <laughs> you were on my side. <laughs> All right. The first one is Berserker's Onslaught. It's just three and two red for an enchantment. Attacking creatures you control have double strike. That's pretty good. I mean, it's one of those cards you can drop and just usually kill somebody if you have a couple of creatures. Right. Yeah, so it's, it's just, it's, it's not amazing. Yeah, it's not as amazing as the red one from uh, the enchantment that's flash speed, the Dictate. Oh, yeah, the doubles all damage yeah, that they yeah. take from any source. Dictate of uh, Twin Gods. Yeah, Dictate of the yeah. Twin Gods. But this is still good in the deck for redundancy. And like, if your deck is all about just smacking him in the face with stuff like Atarka and other dragons that we will not name that are angry <laughs> and hit for a lot of damage. No, your deck should not be full of that because you should not be playing that card because it, <laughs> it sucks. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is just a, it's a good card. I mean, we should say they had haste too and then it would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, that would be, I mean, but, that'd be pushed um, a little with, bit. let's just say, Xenagos? Yep. So now your creatures are doubled in power. They have double strike and they have haste. Uh, that seems pretty good. Yeah. I mean, if you guys just want this kind of effect, I guarantee you this will not be an expensive card coming out of this Exactly. Set. So it's very nice to pick up. This next um, one's really interesting. A lot of people are misreading it. Yeah. Commune with Lava, X and Red Red. So it's an instant. Exile the top X cards of your library. Now pay attention. Until the end of your next turn, you may play those cards. Yeah, so a lot of people were kind of like, what? This is horrible, because if I pay set, you know, five mana, I, how can I cast any cards? Yeah, well, you get this turn and the next turn. Correct. And in our format, you also get all of your opponent's turns. That's right, because Marathon Mac from Reddit has said, hey, combine this with our favorite, Prophet of Crufix. Yeah, Prophet! Cast this on your turn, and you would have all of your opponent's turns to cast those cards. That seems awesome. Yeah, that is really awesome. Yeah, if you're playing Teamer... And you have Prophet of Crufix in that deck, which if you're playing Teamer and you don't, you're you're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Then Commune with Lava is pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, this is great in Animar. Yeah. For sure. This is this card is definitely better than you think it is. It's not every deck. Yep. Uh, if you don't have a way to potentially create tons of mana or use mana during your opponent's turns and untap your stuff, then it's maybe not awesome. But it's definitely something worth taking a look at. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, oh, this one's fun. Go ahead. Descent of the Dragons, four and two red for a sorcery. Destroy any number of target creatures. Any number. You could board wipe every single token on the board. But mm, you're not really board wiping them. Well, right. <laughs> for each creature destroyed, well, I'm thinking about the combo that the guy is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For each creature destroyed this way, its controller puts a four four red dragon creature token with flying onto the battlefield. So you can basically just turn their creatures into four four dragons. Yeah, the which can work board. a couple of ways. Mm -hmm. It can upgrade their creatures or downgrade them. Or it can be like, I just have more creatures than you, so if I just turn everything into a 4-4 dragon... Yeah, I'm going to win this I'm fight. I'm just going to win this fight because you yeah. have three creatures and I got 20. Yeah, and I have pump spells to help yeah. me out. You know, and in a token pump. deck, you just turn all your dudes into 4-4s, four and if you can give them haste, you'll probably just win. Yeah, Obelisk of Verd Dragons. Yeah, but our, our Reddit user friend, uh, Kaboom0225, says, My favorite interaction 
is for Karthus Dragon Tribal deck. Yeah. Will be Descendant Dragons plus Karthus, because Karthus, what you do is you turn all creatures into dragons, <laughs> and then you cast Karthus and you steal all of them. You steal every dragon. Yeah, because what Karthus says, I don't know, do you want to read him? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, Karthus is a Tyrant of Jund, which means he's uh, black, red, and green. Uh, seven mana total for a 7-7 seven, seven flying haste. Yeah, there you go. There's a little Elder Dragon-ish. Uh, when Karthus, Tyrant of Jun comes into play, gain control of all dragons, then untap all dragons, and other dragon creatures you control have haste. So That's not until end of turn, peeps. The, you just get the dragons. You they're get yours. get the dragons, yeah, yeah. Immediately. You steal everyone's dragons that you just turned into it. Now, to do these two together, you'd have to have... A lot of mana. A lot of mana. Or you have a way to cheat Karthus in, but it's a... Just flat cost would be 13 mana. Flicker him, maybe? Yeah, flick... Oh, yeah. He that's comes right. in at your end step oh, after you've geez. cast Descent of Dragons. You just... You turn everybody's stuff into dragons, and then you just take all the dragons. And then you yeah, swing with right. them. you're right. Karthus should be an Elder Dragon. He's a 7-7. Seven, seven. Yeah, and he's awesome. He is awesome. And he's three colors, so he's totally uh, EDH playable. And yet somehow he's not Elder, and these other crap, Kamol's an Elder Dragon. Kamol. Well, no, let's not go down this road. Yeah. This I'm, gonna, I'm just... It's going to Kamal, de- degenerate. He started a uh, new. Uh, uh, I was gonna. No, I was gonna go. He started a new hip hop band. Yeah, I was gonna say he's he's uh, back in the music biz, and you should totally follow his music. Uh, uh, <laughs> all right, next is Dragon Tempest. It's one in red, an enchantment. It says whenever a creature with flying enters the battlefield under your control, it gains haste until end of turn. Whenever a dragon enters the battlefield under your control, it deals X damage to target creature or player, where X is the number of dragons you control. That's pretty cool. So any flying creature you have has haste, and if it's a dragon, then when it comes into play, it just starts hitting people or creatures yeah. in the face. For... So this gets out of hand real fast yeah. if you build around this, especially. Um, I could see a standard deck running Dragon Tempest. It's only two mana. Yeah. I mean, it does nothing the turn you cast it, though. That's usually bad. I don't know. In if our... you're playing it on turn two, it's not the worst. In our format, I can usually just see you're playing only dragons in your deck, mm-hmm. and so it's just gravy. Yeah, it's like they all get haste, and they just start doing damage as soon as they yeah. hit the battlefield. And killing creatures is so useful with this card. Yeah, it's like you they, just they have a couple flyers, and you're like, no, don't look at the art for this card. Just move on. But me, you can dome people. You can dome yes. uh, opponents yes. too. So yeah, I'm not looking at the art because it's that guy I don't like. <laughs> I think actually all of these red oh, cards man. have him on there. <laughs> oh no, this one might be a Tark. I think this is a Tark. <laughs> okay, Our okay. next up is Dragon Whisperer, which is also getting a lot of press. It's a uh, red red for a two two. Uh, and you can pay red to give it flying until end of turn, or you can pay one in a red to give it plus one, plus one until end of turn. So it's like expensive fire breathing. And it also has formidable. So for four and red red, put a four four red dragon creature token with flying onto the battlefield. And you can only activate this ability if creatures you control have total power eight or greater. So again, you just put a four four dragon out. It's done not until end of turn. Yeah. Six mana, make a dragon. Done. Done. Formidable. That's just like, again, in EDH, it's just one of those formats where... You, you need some mana sinks. You need some stuff to do with your mana when you've got a lot of mana. And mm-hmm. also, you don't have to tap the Dragon Whisperer to do it. So if you yeah. happen to have 12 mana, make two 4-4 four, four dragons. Pretty good. And um, in the meantime, it's just a 2-2 two, two that you can give Flying and Fire Breathing to, which is perfectly good. Yeah, and it's an instant speed for all of these things. So you can do it on blocking yep. as well. You can you can send it to the air when someone swings at you with their guys. There's just lots of cool stuff you can do. Um, I like this card a lot. Very Seems efficient. pretty sweet. Yeah, very sweet. Uh, the next one's very simple. Dragonlord Servant, one in a red for a Goblin Shaman, a 1-3. It just says, dragon spells you cast cost one less to cast. Okay, sounds good to me. It's better than like a Mana Dork, because yeah. a Mana Dork you have to tap, mm-hmm. and so you only get one mana discount. 
this guy, if you could play two dragons in a turn, that's two mana you've saved. Do this in like a ruby medallion, and now everything costs two less. I mean, you could maybe just spit out like four dragons in a turn. I'm going to build a dragon travel deck. I think you're not alone, my friend. Yep. In it's... fact, I think we're going to see a lot of freaking dragon, <laughs> dragon uh, tribal decks here. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. You, I mean, why would you not? I mean, look at look at the cards we got right now. These are amazing. All right, next up, Sarkin's Triumph. Oh, this is a great card, too. Two in red for an instant. Search your library for a dragon creature card. Reveal it. Put it into your hand. Then shuffle your library. So it's just a tutor for a dragon. Yep, tutor for a dragon. Uh, tutor cards usually aren't printed anymore, at least yeah. at, for for three mana. And now it's you know, obviously you have to find the it's dragon. It's narrow, but it's still pretty good. It's still pretty good, yeah. Even, and, even in a non-Dragon Tribal deck, you might have one or two that do specific things, and I so would, you can get sort of toolboxy with it. I would totally put this in Kalia, just yeah. to get your best dragon oh, out. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, it's great. So, yeah, and you're um, going to have the mana for it as well. So, The next one is Impact Tremors. It's one and a red. It's an enchantment. It says, whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, Impact Tremor deals one damage to each opponent. So it's basically like half of Perforos. Yeah, but it's cheaper, and if you have this and Perforos out, then you're really wrecking everyone. Perforos is one of those decks that's just extremely strong. Yeah, and this card makes it fifty percent more powerful. Ugh, it just makes the 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 dying happen fifty percent faster. The flavor text on this one, Josh. Oh my god, trying not to. <laughs> K-Mole is just everywhere. We gotta get he out is, of red. We, we gotta, gotta get, get out of red. red man. Totally. It's, just, it's just killing me. <laughs> killing me uh okay sarkin's triumph oh we just talked about that uh let's talk about volcanic vision oh yeah these our buddies at the five commanders podcast were uh they were very excited about this one yeah definitely uh five and two red for a sorcery uh return target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand volcanic vision deals damage equal to that card's converted mana cost to each creature your opponents control and then you exile volcanic vision so it's like woof it's Get back that 10-mana card or even like a 5-mana card. It's a board wipe. It's a board wipe, plus you get an awesome card out of your graveyard. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. That, you know, this cycle of like 7-mana-costed rares has all been good. Yeah, you're right. So, yeah, these are these are pretty sweet. Yeah, as we move into our last colors, we'll see if they stay that way. We will see. Okay, and then the last one is Warbringer. Warbringer is 3 and a red for a 3-3 three, three Orca Berserker. It says dash costs you pay cost two less and then it has dash for two and a red so yeah just makes all your dash guys cheaper yeah i assume at some point there's going to be some kind of deck that really uses dash well in edh and like really busts it you know with heel cutters and all that stuff yeah it's very aggro and aggro is usually like, not good but. i feel like we need another set to come out that has dash before we have enough cards yeah to build a full dash deck but when we do this card is going to be on there and maybe you can now maybe yeah. you can tiny leaders maybe i don't know Oh, you can't play this guy. Four, can't, though, you yeah. can't play this guy. Yeah, he's cool though. He's actually the evolution of the Mardu War Shrieker. Yeah, yeah. So he is still uh, he's still bringing war, and he's still reducing cost of stuff or giving you mana. Giving in you a mana in some way. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty cool. Uh, it's flavor wise cool. All right, on to green. So uh, the first card we have is an enchantment. This thing's awesome. Assault formation. One in the green. Each creature you control assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power. Our friend Gavin spoiled this, and uh, it's really great because if you guys know another uh, hugely popular EDH card is Duran the Siege Tower, which essentially does the same thing. Yep. Uh, it's butt fighting, as we like to call <laughs> butt it. Butt fighting. <laughs> yeah, your toughness is now your power. 
Um, but you still have your. You toughness. don't switch your power and toughness yeah, you, though. Yeah. So your your toughness stays the same. So if, if you were a two five, you're now basically a five five. Yep. In combat, at least. Yeah. Um, and it has two abilities on it. For green, target creature with defender can attack this turn as though it didn't have defender. Uh, awesome. That's exactly what you want. And two in a green creatures you control get plus zero oh, plus one until end of turn. So you can start pumping their toughness, which yeah. also pumps their power in this combat. This card is awesome. It's sweet. It makes me want to build an all-walls deck, an all-defender deck. I wish there was a few more things with this effect. There are in the History of Magic, but yeah. this card is pretty sweet. Just It's just very cool. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and just being able to butt fight is hilarious. Like <laughs> Just saying, I butt fight you. I butt fight you. And the guy's like, how big is it? It's a 10-10 it's a, it's a wall? And you're like, <laughs> oh, you bet it is. Hey, it's, my wall's going to smack you in the face for 10 <laughs> with its butt. All right, Circle of Elders. Two and two green. For a 2-4 Human Shaman, it has Vigilance. It also has Formidable. So you can add three colorless to your mana pool, but you can only a- activate this ability if your creatures have a combined power of eight or greater. So it's just a really big mana dork. Yeah. For four mana, also, it's EDH, so you're often going to have eight power out on the board. Yeah. Yeah, this is really good mana ramp, I think. Uh, I-, I would play... And, you know, I play a creature that taps for two uh, two mana, so... You play creatures attack for one sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mana ramp is very, very strong yep. in our format because we're trying to do big stuff. Yeah. So you think if you ha- if you can activate it formidable on turn five, you could have eight mana available to you. Yeah. So not to mention he's vigilant, so he can even be swinging in and still, and still use doing his it. ability. Yeah. So yeah. you get a little bit of extra flavor from that. Yeah. Um, I, like, I like him. Next up, I think is my favorite green card in the set. It's Collected Company. Three and a green for an instant. Look at the top six cards of your library. Put up to two creature cards with combated mana cost. Convert the mana cost three or less from among them onto the battlefield. And put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. For four mana, you get maximum six mana worth of creatures. Uh, it's right in, like, what are we always saying? Cheating mana cost. Yep. Cheating mana cost is powerful. This is a cheap mana cost spell. If, in fact, if you click on it on mythicspoilers.com, it compares it to cards like Tooth and Nail. <laughs> Anything that's like, hey, this card's like Tooth and Nail, you might think about playing that card. Yeah, it's a, you're in pretty good company. Yeah. Collected company. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very cool it. card. Yeah. Um, the next one I have is Den Protector. It's one in a green. It's a 2-1 human warrior. It says creatures with power less than Den Protector's power can't block it. It also has Megan Morph for one in a green. And then it says, when Den Protector is turned face up, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. So, so for five mana, you get a 3-2. Oh, sorry. It's not target creature card. It's just target card. Oh, nice. So it's an eternal witness. Yeah. Uh, basically, my decks will, would run five eternal witnesses if, if they could. could. Yeah. <laughs> and so this is a second eternal witness, which I think is totally worth it. Yeah. And it's not counterable, like you said, if you play it face down and then flip it. Right. And I'd say very often, you know, in limited games and stuff, you see a morph, and you're like, I should probably kill that, because it could yeah. turn into something bad. In EDH, you're playing giant stuff in a morph. No one's really going to pay attention to A lot of times you're like, morph. morph, what kind of janky card are you running, dude? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're probably thinking, like, he's going to try and counter something or do this. Yeah. But when it's just interacting with your own board, you're even safer, which I is shouldn't nice. say can't be countered. I guess there's stuff that does, but very, very right. few things, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, next up, Foe Razor Regent. Five and two green for seven total. It's a four-five creature dragon with flying. When Foe Razor Regent enters the battlefield, you may have it fight target creature you don't control. Always useful. Whenever a creature you control fights, put two plus one plus one counters on it at the beginning of the next end step. Now, historically, there are a lot of cards that are fight cards throughout Magic, like Hunt the Weak, Savage Punch. There's a new Dragon Punch in this one. So anytime it says whenever something you do does a mechanic that is not specific to just this card, 
it's always something to pay attention to. Well, also, what's the siege, frontier siege? Yeah. I mean, you can choose the uh, option that lets you fight oh, every right. time uh, you play a creature with flying. Yeah. So in a dragon deck with frontier siege, this guy is like bonkers because all your dudes are fighting dudes when they come in and then they're yeah. growing. Yeah. It's, it's, if you build around it, I think it could be pretty powerful. Now, usually you don't have a lot of fight cards in EDH decks because yeah. they're not good removal spells. Well, they're just one for ones that aren't always going to remove what you want them to and get rid of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. But I, I could see like just putting this guy in a dragon deck with frontier siege in it and just every once in a while you're going to be just destroying people. Yeah. Pretty good. Uh, the next one is, where are we? Hang on. Shaman of Forgotten Ways. Shaman of the Forgotten Ways. It's two and a green for a human shaman. It's a two, three. It says, tap it to add two mana in any combination of colors to your mana pool. Sold. Spend this mana only to cast creature spells. Still sold. Still sold. Still awesome. If that was the only ability, this creature's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's a double playable. birds of paradise for <laughs> creature spells only, but still. But then, yeah. then he goes just totally off the rails bonkers this might be my pick for like most powerful card in the set yeah probably it's nine and two green so 11 mana you need formidable so at least eight uh total power among creatures you control so nine and two green tap the shaman of the forgotten ways and each player's life total becomes the number of creatures he or she controls but <laughs> if you I have mean, zero creatures you lose the game uh, it's crazy. If you could somehow play this after you one-sided board wiped or... Oh my gosh, yeah. Or board wipe, play this guy with haste, you know, if you had a lot of mana. Have You're one turn green. go by, everyone plays like two creatures. Oh boy. I mean, this is a, this is an immediate kill. If, you, if this ever hits the table and you're anywhere near 11 mana, it, it has to be immediately removed. Yeah. Otherwise, you have the ability to kill everyone all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it's crazy broken. Yeah, it's crazy. Green is the color to ramp up to get you 11 mana anyway. So if this guy hits the board and he's not dealt with, people are going to be going from 40 life to 3 life, 4 life. Like, think about how many creatures you generally have out in the game of Commander. Not that many. You don't have more than 10, right? Like, right. if you do, everyone's killing you. So for that guy that's, like, playing control, that's holding back, like, oh, this God. card just houses them. It's it's Biorhythm on a stick, and Biorhythm is a banned card. Uh-huh. Um, in EDH, Biorhythm was six and two green for a sorcery that just said each player's life total becomes the number of creatures he or she controls. Uh, there's a really good chance this eventually gets banned. I don't know yet. Yeah, we'll I, see. I think the 11 mana and non-haste uh, is potentially an issue. But yeah. again, green is the color that gets around these things specifically. Yeah, you can give so. haste. You can you can easily get to that amount of mana. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know for sure if it's bannable yet. It's a little early to say that, but it's... It's on that level of power. Yeah, because it's literally like board wipe, kill everybody. You guys want to play again? Yes. <laughs> Are you going to change decks? Because yeah, I'm going to change to uh, Kmol. Uh, next, screw you, Jimmy. Yeah, right. I'll get your life total down below before you can do that to me. My mental life total yeah. will be down if you play. <laughs> next up, we have Sheltered Airy. This is definitely uh, one of your favorite kinds of cards, Josh. And uh-huh. I'm I'm growing to like these a lot more too because they are really awesome and they never get removed. No, never. People just ignore them. Yeah, Sheltered Airy, two and a green for an enchantment aura, enchant land. Enchanted land has tap to add two mana of any one color to your mana pool. Right. So it's not quite as good as market festival because it doesn't add two extra right it adds two total but it's any color yeah i mean when you tap the land any you don't color. actually get the land from they're the mana from the land well that's why you stick it on something like a maze of Ith or yeah. you know a land that doesn't tap for stuff anyway yeah or you just stick it on your land and now that land produces two mana and it's whatever colors yeah. you want could you put this on glacial chasm 
Yeah, that's actually pretty good because then go. you turn it into something useful. I mean, doubly useful. Doubly useful, yeah. Yeah. I think these are just good cards. If you have Fate Stitcher out, you're just doubling the amount of mana you get. It's, yeah. This is the type of card none of people play those type of cards. Um, the next one is Stampeding Elk Herd. It's three and two green. <laughs> this one's for Marshall. Yep, for a bunch of Elmers. Uh, five, five for five mana. It's got Formidable. Whenever Stampeding Elk Herd attacks, if creatures you control have total power eight or greater, creatures you control gain Trample until end of turn. Pretty good. Pretty good. It's like a fair Crater of Behemoth a little bit. Yeah. Like a super fair one. And if you have anything that can kill the Elk Herd, then it's, you know, they only get to do it once or whatever. Yeah, so. it's okay. Just... If you need Trample and you've got a lot of creatures, that's a decent... It's okay. Yeah. I just really only wanted to put him in there because Elmer. So They're so angry. You know why they're angry? It's because Shaman of the Forgotten Ways has their like leader on his head. No, they're angry because LSV didn't know what the hell Elmer was. <laughs> so they're coming after he him. He still might not. So yeah. So they are still coming He's going to get him. some antlers in his butt if he doesn't watch out. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of antlers. Uh, and if you look at the art, there are people being flung around too and stuff and like people like chasing him and like trees breaking. It's Elmer like, has had enough and he's not going to take it he's anymore. He's not taking it anymore. Uh, and that's why we have Sight of the Scale Lords for and a green. Actually, there's no connection here. Um, it's an <laughs> enchantment uh, at the beginning of combat on your turn. And creatures you control with toughness four or greater get plus two plus two and gain vigilance until end of turn hey that's pretty, pretty good. good yeah not to mention this like automatically gives you formidable if you don't have it yep <laughs> yep so yeah that's pretty great yeah it's pretty 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 good in general uh, and it's nice that it measures toughness because a lot of times that will qualify and you won't have the ferocious trigger or whatever so. especially if you're building that toughness deck with assault formation yes, yes. definitely definitely um all right let's move on to artifacts or I should say artifact. Fact, yeah. This guy is There's Ancestral. one fact. Yep. It's an artifact. Ancestral Statue. It's four mana for a 3-4 Golem artifact creature. When Ancestral Statue enters the battlefield, return a non-land permanent you control to its owner's hand. This is in here for one reason. You know what it is, Jimmy. Anamore. Thank you, Reddit user. It's Personal 101. So essentially, if you have four counters on Animar, this guy costs zero to play, which means you can play him. Bounce, bounce himself. itself and just replay him over and over and over and again. You can put a arbitrarily large number of counters on Animar. You can also, if you have Perforos out, or you oh, have, yeah. um, oh, gosh, if you have Altar of the Brood out, you can just win because yeah. Perforos is just dealing two damage to each of your opponent, and you cast him infinite times, kill everybody. Or Altar <laughs> of the Brood is just milling people, and you cast him infinite times and mill just everybody mill out. out yeah. I'm a little bit. I don't like that they made this card because it's just one card combo with Animar Infinite. Yeah, it's not. Well, it's one card plus he has to have at least four counters on him. Or no, he actually he he only has to have three. Three, yeah. And also, let's say he has two. Well, you cast this guy for two, bounce him, cast him for one. One. Now yeah. you're there. So, so you okay. only need three mana. You only need three mana. Yeah. You have three mana because you played Animar. It's so true. it's just, and even if you don't have the Perforos or the Altar of the Brood or something like that, you still make Animar himself arbitrarily yeah. large. I so, actually don't think I'll put this in the deck. So this just, could be like a turn four. If you don't have a creature, you die. Yeah. Because I'll just Or if Animar has Trample, you die. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It just seems too good with Animar. I, 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 well, here's the other thing. is like, not only that, but you're going to get Animar up. You play him for four for free. You get Animar up to 10 counters. Now Jin Kataxis is coming out that turn, too. Like, like you can unload Colossus your whole... Or, yeah, Emer- can, or not Emrakul. Ulamog or yeah, something. Yeah, you get to unload your whole hand. So yeah. it's pretty intense. Yeah. I just... They didn't... Maybe they didn't think about it or they didn't care probably didn't care considering considering the whole elder dragon fiasco i just think they don't care do you want me to read this next one or do you want to it has k-mole k 
Kamal is no, here. I want you to read it. Three, a black and a red for Boltwing Marauder. It's oh, we're a, in multicolored now. By yeah, that. yeah, we're multicolored. It's a, a it's a creature dragon, 5-4, uh, flying. Whenever, whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, target creature gets plus 2, plus 0 oh, until end of turn. So it's just kind of like the uh, the ogre battle driver. Here. Again, it doesn't give haste, but it does pump your dude. Yeah, and let's say you have a few of him out, and you have the battle driver out. Like y- your guys are definitely going to kill someone. <laughs> or let's say you have a token deck, and you're going to make ten do- ten tokens. Well, something's going to get twenty power. Yeah, exactly. Or each of them are going to get two. Two, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 usable. It's not amazing, but I think you can play it in a lot of decks. Yeah. Uh, the next one is enduring scale lord. This is for a green and a white for a 4-4 flying dragon. This is an interesting one. Whenever one or more 1-1 counters are placed on another creature you control, you may put a 1-1 counter on Enduring Scale Lord. Interesting. So, it's too bad we can't have two of these out in the battlefield at the same time. Right, because we're in a singleton format. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. As our Reddit user, the Truffle Hunter. Nice. I like truffles. I think there's a... I wonder if this is the same as our Twitter friend that's the truffly one. I know we have a... a he, I think he won for the question quest stuff. Anyway, maybe the same person or just a hey. coincidence that a lot of people like truffles, which is true <laughs> because I like truffles. Yeah, right. Anyway, so if you clone or have a kiki-jiki, twin flame, splinter twin type token effect that clones Enduring Scale Lord, then you can just make them infinitely large. Because right. you put a 1-1 counter on one, which triggers the other, which puts a 1-1 counter on it, which and triggers the other. And they just see other. each other and just go... Brrr. So you make arbitrarily large enduring scale lords. That seems pretty good. They are definitely enduring at that point. What I've learned here is that the word arbitrary is very good in magic. Yeah. <laughs> arbitrarily, arbitrarily. Uh, it's a lot of letters. Arbitrividividu. Arbitrividividu. It just ends with dividividu if we don't want to pronounce the rest of the name. Bing! Bing! All right, next up is Harbinger of the Hunt. Three, a red and a green. It's a 5-3 flying dragon. Uh, for two and a red, Harbinger of the Hunt, or Harbinger? Harbinger? Harbinger. Harbinger of the Hunt <laughs> deals one damage to each creature without flying. That's pretty good. House's token decks, that's so, for sure. Wait, what's it do? I was laughing. <laughs> it deals one damage to each creature without flying for two uh, and a red. Okay. And for two and a green, he deals one cr- damage to each other creature with flying. So he can't hit himself either. That's can't good. hit himself, yeah. He's kind of like a really expensive pestilence. Yeah. On, a, on a flying 5-3 dragon, and I love pestilence. And in colors that are not pestilence colors as good well. Good point, good point. Um, I think this is a really good utility creature. Mm-hmm. Definitely being able to just kill tokens is great. Also, like, everyone has 1-1s, one 2-1s, ones, ones, 3-2s that are really useful. And, you just like, hose them. Yeah, hose them, yeah. Like, hey, that Grand Abolisher, see you later. Hey, oh, that man. Mentor of the Meek, you know. Like, so many cards die that have one toughness. Even, that... like, they try some kiki-jiki pestermite stuff, and you're just like, no, let's kill all those. Yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. It's pretty great. Yeah, I like it indeed a bunch. When it's just gravy on top of uh, flying creatures, great. You want to read this one? You seem excited. I mean, I'll read either of them, so it's up to you. Um, I feel like these are your more your colors. All right. Narset Transcendent. We said she'd be here, and here she is. Uh, she evolved. She, yeah, Narset, ev- she found her spark, Yeah, and uh, now she's walking some planes. I'm down. She's two, a white, and a blue, so four total for a six loyalty planeswalker. Six loyalty? That's, what? Uh, huge four for, for six? Yeah. That's pretty crazy. That her, is huge. Her plus one. Look at the top card of your library. If it's a non-creature, non-land card, you may reveal it and put it into your hand. It's situational so, card draw. Plus one, basically draw a card. Uh, yeah. But, you're, yeah. In, our, in our format, you're probably going to divining top or do something to make sure that you know what yeah, that yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then her minus two is when you cast your next instant or sorcery spell from your hand this turn, it gains rebound. Uh, that's pretty good yeah that's really good and then her ultimate her negative nine 
Which it seems crazy, but she starts at six, so negative nine's not. She insane. could get there. You get an emblem with your opponents can't cast non-creature spells. Yep, that happened. That's you know you doubling season this out. Eh. That's game over, man. That's game I don't over. Know. Yeah. Like, unless they're playing Animar or a heavy right. creature heavy deck, like I don't know. Well, it's just what like also do. like you don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to worry about instant speed. It's anything. like if you can see it. Yeah. Otherwise. It's not a worry. She is truly transcendent. That's yeah. for sure. Uh, it means card draw. It's four mana card draw. I play Chandra in almost any deck with red yeah. just for the card draw. So this is card draw. It's probably worth playing. And then just doubling up all your instants and sorceries. I mean, imagine I cast yeah. Insurrection. I rebound it. So if the one Insurrection didn't kill everybody, the second one will. Yep. Yeah. yeah. She seems very good. Her price tag is super high. Of course it is. It's. Uh, uh, well, I'll say this now. Unless you're going to pull her from a pack and you don't immediately really need her, don't go and buy Planeswalkers when sets first come out. They're yeah. the things that jump to the highest price number and always would drop down to... Um, sometimes they'll stay up, uh, but almost But if they always, stayed up, that's fine because you, you didn't waste still get them for the ma- yeah, same exactly. amount. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't see her going much higher than she is. I mean... I don't know. I wouldn't pre-order. I could see her going up depending on what happens with standard tournaments after the set comes out. But yeah, in general, don't pre-order Planeswalkers unless you think they're criminally underpriced. You know what you can do? You can tweet at uh, Jason E. Alt on Twitter, who's our buddy from Brainstorm Brewery. They are finance experts. We are not. And you might ask him that question. I'm pretty sure he's going to say don't pre-order, but you you can ask. I buy based on emotion and considering that you're not supposed to do anything really like that. Based on emotion? Yeah, like eat. You're not supposed (laughs) to eat based on emotion? Yeah, because you're just going to eat. But I eat it. what I like, and liking stuff is an emotion, right? But what if you're sad and just like, I need to eat all the Then I cream. eat what I'm sad about? No. Yeah. I still eat what I like. There you go. Well, don't, yeah. Anyway, don't do not do just stuff just on impulse. Uh, definitely talk to Jason. All, and they'll, they'll very happily answer your questions as well if, about any cards really in the set. Um, Sarkin, I may have just unleashed a, uh, <laughs> a, a thousand <laughs> tweets at Jason. Sorry, buddy. Uh, he likes it. Yeah, he no, likes right. the attention. Yeah. Don't worry. Um, next up, we have the new Sarkin. So if you guys saw the Dragons of Tarkir trailer, which is just a... Uh, now I fly with dragons! Like, woo! My inner five-year-old is so happy. Uh, I which is fly the same with... as his outer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to fly with dragons. <laughs> Who doesn't? Uh, Sarkin Unbroken has become a multicolored planeswalker he's he a is teamer now teamer walker. yeah two and green blue and red and i think teamer is the clan that he should be because um, now he's traveled through time you know he's got a little blue in him um he comes in with four loyalty and his plus one is draw a card then add one mana of any color to your card pool which is very useful pool? yeah very useful yeah to your mana yeah, pool, sorry. Uh, his minus two is put a four four red dragon creature token with flying onto the battlefield every sarkin has some kind of version of this and his minus eight is search your library for any number of dragon creature cards and put them onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. That's insane. Yeah, that is really insane. Um, that's, that's just like win. Yeah, I could totally see this in a teamer deck that just wants to go nuts and just, or even like a five color dragons deck would mm-hmm, be really mm-hmm. sweet, you know? Or even just any deck playing these colors. Listen, there's two things we always talk about that every EDH deck needs. What are they? Mana ramp? Yeah. Card draw. What's his plus one ability do? Draws Both. a card and adds mana. <laughs> oh, well, that's great. This, yeah. if, I, if I have these colors, I'm putting Sarkin into that deck. I mean, 
I'm not going to own unlimited Sarkin, so he's just I'm going to have to pick and choose. But right. I think he's just totally usable in any deck that's playing these colors because he draws you cards and he adds mana. Yep. And every deck needs to do those things. Yep. Yeah, he's very, very good. You can play him with a doubling season, too, and just pop him out and immediately ult him and get all your dragons. And win. And win, yeah. And also, like, his negative two, just make a 4-4 four, four flyer. Sometimes it's just, like, just make a 4-4 four, four flyer. Like, yeah. You know, a five-mana 4-4 four, four flyer is pretty good. And it leaves you with a two loyalty planeswalker. Yeah, so. That, so you're creating anytime a planeswalker can create a blocker for it, it's yeah. always powerful. So that's that's really the upside there. because um, you might see a four for a flyer and think, meh, whatever, but if like it's a flyer and that's the only thing that can come in and swing and kill your Sarkin, then you're gonna be very happy to have it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, the next guy, oh, a lot of Reddit users talked about this guy. Yeah. This is Savage Ventma. Now I know a lot of people mentioned this combo. We just had to pick one of the people, and this is the first one I saw that said it was Weebos Weebos from Reddit. And it says, let me read Savage Ventmaw, for uh, green and a red, for a 4-4 flying dragon, whenever Savage Ventmaw attacks, add three red and three green to your mana pool. Until end of turn, this mana doesn't empty from your mana pool as your steps and phases end. That's crazy. So you just get six mana into your mana pool that you can keep and use in your next main phase. This is not uncommon, by the way. This, this is like a first pickable card, I think. Yeah. As Weebos and a few other people mentioned, um, if you add this with Aggravated Assault... Right. Aggravated Assault, basically you pay five mana and you create another combat step. Mm-hmm. You untap it's your an creatures. And, yeah. yeah. And you can do that as many times as you've got five mana. Well... Savage Ventmaw is creating six mana every time yeah. it attacks. Not to mention Aggravated Assault you can only do as a sorcery, so Savage Ventmaw really gets around it because the mana doesn't the empty. The mana doesn't empty. So yeah. you attack, add the mana pool, go to your next main phase, activate Aggravated yeah. Assault, attack again, add six mana. You get infinite attacks, infinite mana. You also have, yeah, because you, you're, you're having one left over each time. Yeah, it's it's that's a crazy broken combo. I'm Listen, it's the same thing. Anytime you're adding like an obscene amount of mana to your mana pool... Uh, that doesn't play by the rules mana normally plays by. There's just going to be ways to break it. I'm sure uh, yeah. Aggravated Assault is not the only way. Yep, big fan of that card. Uh, our last gold card uh, is Swift Warkite. And I really like this guy, too. It's four, a black, and a red for a 4-4 four, four creature dragon flying. When Swift Warkite enters the battlefield, you may put a creature card with converted mana cost three or less from your hand or graveyard onto the battlefield. That creature gains haste and return it to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. So it's like you're dashing out a card from a graveyard or hand and putting it back. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Boy, oh. enter the battlefield effects, go nuts. The man. great thing is it doesn't say enters the battlefield tapped and attacking or anything like that. Yeah, so it you just, can just has haste. You can just get your enter the battlefield effect and then goes to your hand and then you can play it out and get the enter the battlefield effect again, which... Yep. Um, it's really nuts. What's the Reddit? Herksnurk. Herksnurk. Pointed out on Reddit, Herxnerk, you're a winner. By the way, Weebos, Truffle Hunter, it's personal. Uh, the rest of you also won prizes. Email us. Email cast. us your, yeah, your address. But Herxnerk says, grab Eternal Witness from your bin, bring it back onto the battlefield with Warkite, you know, grab something yep. out of your graveyard. And then afterward, the Eternal Witness goes back to your hand, and then you can play it again for another. Yeah. This is pretty So good. a dead eat witness with this comes out, you get one, two, th- you get three things essentially back from your graveyard to the battlefield. Because you get the eat witness itself and then yep. two other cards. Yeah. And then if your eat witness dies, just get do it back that with again. Swift Warcut. Yeah. Or Swift Warcut can just bring anything else back from your graveyard. So there's so many under the battlefield effects that can get abused here. Uh, three or loss, three or less mana cost is the big one. Um, but still, there's so many good creatures at yeah. that point. It's cheating mana cost again. It's just, it's, yeah. it's good. You could get something like. Uh, what is that red 403 Kingdoms card that searches out a guy for 
that can like imperial recruiter imperial recruiter yeah i mean if you're well if you really happen to be baller and you have like a bunch of 300 cards go for it uh yep pretty much uh so yeah swift warkite excellent excellent card oh we're at our last card jimmy oh we made it we made it it's been like a little under two hours so these set reviews, sorry guys, and our last episode was long too, we know. Yeah. Um, hey, it's nothing compared to what LR has just to Just because we're so. so excited about magic. Yeah, and this land. All right, Haven <laughs> of the Spirit Dragon. It's a land. This is that, what was the name uh, of the land from last set? Uh, Crucible of the Spirit Dragon. That was like, well, that didn't work. How about, let's try that again. <laughs> Haven of the Spirit Dragon, it's a land. You can tap it for one colorless mana. Uh, or you can tap it and add one mana of any color to your mana pool, but you can only spend that mana to cast a dragon creature spell. Okay. Or you can tap two and sacrifice Haven of the Spirit Dragon and return a dragon creature card or Ugin Planeswalker card from your graveyard <laughs> to your hand. So specific, but so great. You get Ugin back with You get Haven Ugin the Spirit or any dragon from your graveyard. Yeah. Yeah. I could see this as a one-of in some of the standard control decks right now just because, you know. If you're playing Ugin, maybe. playing Ugin, maybe, yeah. yeah. Um. I think if you've got a dragon tribal deck, this is a slam dunk. You definitely put it in there. Yeah. Getting a dragon back uh, is great. And just the one mana of any color, it makes Mm -hmm. it like another command tower. Um, Otherwise, don't put it in your deck. Yep. Pretty much. I think Soren is in this art. I think he finally found Ugin. Right? Is that him raising a sword up? Oh, yeah. He's he's doing the He-Man. I have the power. I have the power. I am no longer solemn. I am super stoked. (laughs) I'm assuming he has sunglasses on. We can't see his face. (laughs) Yeah, with how bright Ugin is, he better have He's like, dude, on. turn it down. Let me take my glasses off. <laughs> Come on, man. Jeez. Jeez, Ugin. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. That is uh, Dragons of Tarkir. Again, if you guys think we missed any cards or there are some uh, sweet uh, combos, wombo combos, even, Interactions, some, magi- yeah, synergies. even some magical Christmas land stuff, make sure you post in the comments on our website. It's rocketjump.com slash podcast. You can find it all there or on the YouTube video that we post with all of these videos. That's right. We do YouTube videos with all of these. So if you don't want to be listening for the cards and you don't know what one does, uh, our amazing editor, Eli, puts them up on the screen. They do some nice, beautiful motion. You can see what they do. And, uh, it's and just listen another... to our beautiful voices. Yeah, yeah, let's not talk ourselves up too much. <laughs> but they are pretty good sound. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's nice to put on at work or just in the background. So those are all also on rocketjumps.com slash podcast. If we mentioned your name today from Reddit, uh, go ahead and email us at commandcast at rocketjump.com and give us your mailing address and we will send out a little prize package. Uh, for everyone else that won our last giveaway, you should be receiving your prizes in the mail sometime soon. Uh, I sent them out the week before this episode came out. So if you have not received those yet and you're, you're super worried or if you've like moved or something, just send us an email as well and uh, we'll uh, see if we can track that stuff down for you. Very cool. All right, you want to move on to the end step? I guess so. I don't even know if I have anything for the end step right now. I got to think. I'll go first. I know we're. it's supposed to be um, something cool outside of the world of magic. Mm-hmm. Mine's going to be slightly inside the world of magic. But it, Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's going to be an app. It's called Magic's Little Helper. Oh, yes. Thank the you guys, to the five commander guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, I learned about it from the guys from Space Janitor, but I noticed the guys from Five Commanders also use it. Clearly, it's a solid app. So we were just behind the times on this one, but yeah. it's a very cool app, especially for EDH. It will take... It will keep track of multiple players. It keeps track of commander damage. Mm-hmm. It's very great to just sort of put it on your iPad or your phone and put it in the middle of the table, and then everybody's on the same page as far as life, and it's very, very simple. So yeah. again, You can also look up cards inside it, too, which is really nice. Yeah, it's called Magic's Little Helper. Um, check it out. There's free versions. There's more premium versions. Uh, something I like to say about apps like this is, you know, try it out, and if you like it, it's okay to spend a couple bucks 
mm-hmm. to give to people that are making things that you're finding useful because you need to encourage people to continue to develop apps and things. And if everybody just tries to use a free free version only all the time, then why is anybody going to keep creating this stuff? So <laughs> yeah, I true. used it a few times and I was like, this is cool. And then I bought a more premium version just so I could throw some money their way. And it's just a dollar or two. So yeah, yeah, it's really nice. Um, so I guess for my thing, I'm going to actually give myself a shout out. Oh, yep. Uh, because I actually do a cooking show as well. Oh yeah, this it just show's seems awesome. so random, like Magic the Gathering and cooking all in one. Uh, but it's called Feast of Fiction, and uh, specifically this year we're releasing three episodes every month until December. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so all we essentially do is cook up foods from your favorite fictional properties. So foods from video games, movies, Harry Potter, books, comics, whatever that don't exist in the real world, we make the real world analog or a food inspired by. I got one for you. Yeah, ready? It's grilled. K-mole wings. From what? K-mole. Oh, <laughs> K-mole. K-mulligan or whatever. K-mulligan, grilled K-mulligan wings. Because I would, uh, yeah. You, would, I, you hate him, but you would also eat him. No, that's that's how I'm showing my disdain <laughs> for him. By eating his wings. His maybe, crunchy wings. Maybe we'll get Dramoka to like roast him up for us. <laughs> and then uh, we'll have a big barbecue. Ugin will be sobbing. Sarkin's like, all my work has been undone. No, I'm, I'm totally in for this party. Let's have it. Yeah. But we just made uh, some feasts from a game called Five Nights at Freddy's. We've done stuff from like Gravity Falls, uh, League of Legends, Working Breaking on Bad. YouTube, right? Yeah, it's all on YouTube at youtube.com slash Feast of Fiction. So if you guys want another time sync, some other fun stuff to watch, that's all there. And you can also find it by just following uh, Jimmy on Twitter. Yeah. Because he will post out the links when that those videos go up. And you could also follow CommandCast on Twitter. Because we do giveaways. That's where we announce most of them. Yeah. Or if you follow me, Josh Lee Kwai, on, yeah. on Twitter, that's a good way to have a chance at these giveaways. Because if you're not on Reddit and you're not on our Twitter, then you're not going to hear about them in time to win stuff. Yeah. So thank you for signing up, those of you that have taken the extra steps to welcome to the 21st century. <laughs> and thanks for listening. <laughs> and remember, tell your friends about the show and subscribe to us on iTunes. Yes. And we will see you guys next time. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.